Hello and happy new year. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. I am Nick here with Chris. It's January the 5th of 2022. And it's time for the first WMR of the new year. Yeah. How'd you enjoy your holiday season, Nick? Was it good? It's tiring. <laughs> yeah. I didn't go anywhere last year and uh, I went to visit basically the whole family um, this year. And uh, by the end of it, I was just kind of like, huh. So this is what it's like to be the one who has to drive to all these places <laughs> instead of bumming a ride with my parents. Yeah, that's uh, it's not fun. I, I found retail was uh, far more brutal than I remembered it. And I only want to call out one of one moment because there were a lot of moments. Oh dear. But there's this one moment that I was like, I really need to share this story because it's very quick. But I was at the store with the, the store owner and a guy comes in and he's just like uh, walks up. I forget what he even asked for. Something that we wouldn't even have. We saw like rock teachers and I think he came in. And he's like, you guys have any married with children shirts or something like that? Like, no, we don't fucking have that. I don't know why you think we would. Whatever. But a very specific request. I don't even think it was like a t-shirt. I think it was something like, he's like, y'all have fucking soccer balls or some shit like that. Hey, do you have an Archie and the Archie's limited edition lunchbox from 1958? (laughs) Sometimes we will randomly have those things. So you know what? He might not be wrong. But the thing he he said is he looked the store owner right in the eye and he's like, have I been here before? (laughs) The response is like... I don't know. Have you? What do you mean? Have I been here before? You would be more qualified to answer that than we would How be. would I know? And then immediately started getting really religious. <laughs> like, like he was just like, well, you see, the thing that keeps me not knowing where I've been before is Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it was like, you're a Christian boy, aren't you? Or something like that. And I like the store owner was just so like flabbergasted. He was just like, I'm oh, sure. Yeah. And afterwards, just like, fuck, I should have told him I was the devil. <laughs> just <seeing> what <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, <coughs> excuse me. They don't have to worry about consequences because then the person's going to like rush out and be like, the devil's in there. The devil's somewhere that I've been before, but I'm not sure where it was. <laughs> he just forgets he's a goldfish every five seconds. He's like, have I ever been there before? <laughs> I don't know why. I've, I've really just been tickled so much in the notion that he asked if I've ever been there before. Like, I don't know, man. I, I don't. It was like after such like a long, exhausting day, you've just helped so many fucking people. And like you deal with all the like Christmas, like holiday rush of people just being kind of annoying and have that question throws to you. And you're like almost to feel like, I don't know, man, <laughs> have you? This is a first hour of my shift type of question that I that you yeah. you need to be to ask me if I'm going to answer it effectively. Yeah, <laughs> like it'll ruin my entire shift. But if you want to an answer, then that's <laughs> going to be Oh man, yeah, uh, I, I I don't miss interacting with people for work. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh boy, we have a lot of manga to get to today. Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah. Uh, all the chapters came back uh, for this week, um, except Pearl Trigger. But that, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of used to not seeing. Well, and Boruto. Boruto, no Boruto uh, this week. Thank God. I, I need a little bit of a reprieve. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're never ever going to have all of them at the same time, right? Because World Trigger, if it comes out, comes out on the 3rd and Boruto comes out on the 20th. 
month, right? So we'll never get them exactly unless there's like a weird month where World Trigger comes out before we or <clears throat> I guess after we record, and then maybe there's like a, like two weeks where for some reason there wouldn't be a regular episode, right. and then we have a regular episode. Yeah, I guess that case. But then we'd have like six chapters of Eden Zero to talk about, right? Pretty much. Um, you know, he's just get... he's just working on a fucking video game in his spare time. What hero? H- hero, yeah. Just for shits and giggles, he's making an Eden Zero game in like RPG Maker, I think. Oh, I do remember uh, seeing that kind of thing. Yeah, he's I, living I his best life. Just, I didn't know he was just making that himself. I assumed that he like was making assets and someone else was making it for him. <laughs> but yeah, you know, making a video game—the least time-consuming thing you can do in between your life as a manga, which requires you to sleep for four hours a day. <laughs> he makes one manga. He helps write another, and then in the spare time, for shits and giggles makes video games he lives a charmed life i can tell you that maybe hero doesn't understand like humans and the way that people act uh, and stuff except through like media that other people consume so like you know he, uh, he he like uh most of his female characters are very like you know like uh fetishy and stuff like that because you know that is that, that is a reflection of like the way that women are, are portrayed in a lot of mass media and uh he thinks that love is putting explosives in each other's orifices and stuff because he's a robot and so he has no limit to his stamina but there are certain things that you know his humanity uh uh imitation software can't perfectly replicate Anyway, all right, let's get to talk about manga. <laughs> My Hero Academia, chapter number three hundred thirty-nine: the story of how we all became heroes, part two. We get this uh, big old, uh, kind of very like, actually like, I appreciate the details that are thrown onto Hatsume in this image, like the gadgets on her and stuff like that. Anyway, remember when she, she fell boops first into Midoriya yeah. twice. Does she normally wear a Plague Doctor's mask on her goggles? I don't believe so. It I looks like she that may be, It looks like I'm trying to give it like an angelic appearance. Like she looks like she has maybe like angel wings behind her strapped to her backpack or whatever mm-hmm. strapped to her back. Maybe she is trying to take on a just a general bird like thing. Maybe. Just mm-hmm. curious. I was like, is that a detail I've forgotten? No, she just wears regular goggles normally. Okay. It might be just her, you know, and, you know, we see like she's got the goggles on in the next one and no beak. So, yeah. Anyway, the Ida and Deku uh, approached uh, Hatsume so that, you know, they could get some stuff for their broken equipment. Um, and they make jokes about why uh, Hatsume was able to fall into Deku boob first uh, without his danger sense going off. Yes, that's an important detail. Well, this this is lore specific. We might find out. This is how Shigaraki beats him. Is he throws a he he uses. I assume he has a quirk that it enlarges breasts at this point specifically, sure. and he activates it and then just smothers Deku's face. And Deku's like, "I was so caught off guard. Danger sense doesn't work again. It's not horny sense. It's danger sense." Hmm. His, his danger sense just like, no, no, I'm going to hook you up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to make you dodge this. <laughs> uh, so 
Hatsume brings to the point of like, hey, I mean, like, if you just need your equipment replaced, why don't you just like put in a request to the item agency like you usually do? And you just like because of, you know, the material shortage, because of, you know, the plague, I mean, the war going on outside. And Hatsume goes like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, I guess. And Deku is struck by the notion of, oh, my God, is she just like completely naive about what the hell is going on in the world? And there's this big, huge reaction panel. And it's a little bit weird now reading it through again because she's not clueless about the state of the world. It's just that she's being Hatsume and she's being weird. Yeah. Uh, anyway, after some of the smoke from the uh, explosion clears, hey, look, it's power loader. See, I wasn't making him. <laughs> it still kind of feels like you are. It's like, did Nick send a letter in? to horikoshi and get him added to the manga retroactively yep that's what i did <laughs> so in the year power loader yeah you know with his ability to have a cool looking helmet huh? yeah i was gonna say <laughs> power load i would presume <laughs> so they actually go inside of the uh, r&d section and there's this big thing that's all about, you know, the barrier that they have set up. Uh, and Powerler says, yeah, I'm in charge of the uh, UA barrier uh, and maintenance and everything. Uh, so then Hatsume takes a look at Deku's ruined gauntlets in the way that anyone would, which is by limboing while they both walk forward. So. Mm-hmm. Eh. But uh, he they say like yeah yeah i got these these were like prototypes from overseas so i can't get replacements for them could you fix them and hatsume's like well do you need it quickly yes then no and then she proceeds to nope out of there uh and specifically decker refers to it as walking away at the speed of nope and she's just like no i can't do that i'm busy with other (laughs) stuff bye and then he just like well what about my armor no no bye (laughs) look she's a genius but no, she can't. But also, she can. I was gonna say because she does. But then at the end of it, she does. So this chapter is a lot of uh, like, nope, nope, nope. Actually, yes, but yes. Um, I think that honestly, anyone who didn't remember that Hatsume is weird just kind of, I guess, needed to have the entire chapter tell them she's weird. So. I, I would have gone to this chapter like this. Mad scientist character seems reasonable and smart. I get it. Yeah. Uh, and we get a lot of that just throughout the chapter. I, I guess I should clarify. She is not technically... She's giving them new things later, as opposed to fixing their things. So right. She is technically doing something different. But yeah, that the express end purpose, it seems pretty identical. Right. She is being kind of unnecessarily obtuse. Yeah. Uh, so she sits down to work, uh, and there's two... Yeah, you nameless beings that have hair. One of them's going to show up in the next <laughs> veto challenge. I know it. Can't do it if they don't have a name. You did it I've... for the one girl from the fucking class above deck or whatever. She has a name. <laughs> okay. Don't remember what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so she sits down to work on stuff and um, like deck deck is like, what, what are you working on? And she's got like stuff up on a screen and how, you know, the evac shelter can like take off into different places and stuff. And the power says, yeah, 
she's been working on shit to, you know, keep everyone safe and is going to potentially save all of our lives with her with her weird geniusness. Uh, and Hatsume says, because Powerlore brings up her zeal and inventive mind put her in a league of her own. And she says, while Deku thinks about running, talking to Hatsume in the past. I don't think I don't know if I can't recall if she said something profound or something like that. But anyway, he thinks about the last interaction they had. And she says, even a perfect A plus idea could drop to an A minus in a flash. When I think of a new baby, I got to raise it right. That's some wisdom from me. Okay. Yeah. You can get this and many other quotes uh, at Hatsume's quote book. Uh, $700 a book, but you do get 30 quotes, which is pretty good. Uh, and... and also a jetpack comes with it, which is honestly. <laughs> yeah, honestly, people buy it for the jetpack. There's a lot of books that just get thrown to the ground or like put on a bookshelf and never read. Because you're really buying it for the jetpack. Uh, so Deku's like, wow, you're amazing, Hatsume. And Hatsume's like, don't be dense, Midoriya. As dense as high-density polyethylene. Or, to put it another way, don't be as dense as a really dense thing, Midoriya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is basically what she says. I want to know what happens if this character runs into uh, Best Genist. Do they just take yeah. turns exchanging their character-related puns over... Or not even puns, but character-related forced dialogue quirks over and over again? Well, what happens is the best genus falls boobs first into her. So mm. Does he even get affected by it, though? Because his, his face is like 80% genes. It can't even feel boobs. Oh, no. He, oh, no. He falls boob oh. first into her. <laughs> okay. I like this. I like this. This is like a, a switch. This is, uh, changes, changes expectations. I like this. Yeah. Uh, so Hatsume says, of course, I'm aware of the nasty predicament you heroes are facing out there again, contradicting what she said earlier or what Deku thought earlier. And, but she says, and you know, we may not be fighters, but just like how you guys trying everything in order to protect people, we're doing it in our own way. Inventing stuff is how the support course does heroics. And she gets a full page spread to, to say this, which is like, all right. Well, I mean, this is presumably it's a nice picture. Yeah, I was gonna say presumably the last important thing Hatsumi will probably do in this series. So yeah. Um yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean I she might come up. They did say earlier that she's working on like the jettison evac center block stuff, so maybe she'll play a role if that comes into play. Yeah. Um I don't know. It, 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 it's just a little bit weird. There's some moments in where it's like stuff is framed as if it's about, meant to be like a really big deal. But then the content of the scene is just kind of, yeah, OK, you know, like inventing stuff is how we hear our heroes. Yeah, OK. Um, yeah. Yes, 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 because that's the course you're in. Yeah. Then again, I guess that they have kind of just neglected everything except the hero course when you know bigging up everything in ua really everything really just forgetting about everyone except class 1a so uh just not gonna go to a rookie deku but it is <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway deku starts to say wow hatsume you're great again but she throws something in his face and it caves in his entire face uh and she's made a new version of his gauntlets 
And then uh, she throws a new version of Ida's armor in his face and it caves in his face. And uh, their faces stay caved in for like two whole pages after this point. Yeah, she's destroyed his glasses. Like, they're done for. Also, something about the, you know, like uh, bone fractures and brain damage. But yeah, the glasses. No, they're superheroes. They can't. They'll pop right back. Well, that is what happens with Deku. I think that we see it literally happen, so... Um, so now that their stuff has been replaced, Deku and Ida head back and meet up with the rest of class 1A and also Mount Lady, who is here. I'm very impressed. We didn't see her butt at any point. So I feel like that that was, a, it's a good improvement. She is a serious character now ever since her fight with Gigantomachia. I've got no evidence to the contrary. I was going to so. say, I, I meant that, like, I said it as a joke, but then I was like, I guess it's true. You know, she's, she's being a serious character now. Uh, so she she kind of just, you know, like, reminds everyone of the situation and says, hey, you know, we've got to make sure that we are following uh, this plan. We're not going to abandon what our original plan was. And there's also the other plan, which we haven't been made privy to just yet, because, of course, we were. It was not for our ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ashio take the hand that we, meaning Deku, offered. And Deku says, yeah, he'll come back to us. Uh, and Todoroki agrees because he says he's always had his sights set on the man he wants to be more than any of us. Which, I guess the point is that, you know, Aoyama, you know, kept on going trying to be a hero even though he didn't have a quirk originally and then the quirk that he got was really bad for him but he kept at it i get that but sure i don't know it's like you know okay so (laughs) (laughs) um and uh they start to move out but then we cut away to a different place where look it's 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 sun eater and nedure and and, and Nedjure's hair is different, so long time must have passed. That's is, that's how that's is, what happens. Sometimes. Is it? I thought when she used her powers, get different hair. I thought when she uses her powers, her hair just curls up like that. It does curl, but I think it is a lot shorter than it was the last time we saw it her. It might be. I mean, look, if she's not at a beauty pageant, how am I supposed to know Nedjure is relevant to a scene? I don't. It's sometimes it gets mm-hmm. lost. Uh. They, along with uh, Fekum and Ryukyu, have just uh, helped out some people. Uh, and uh, they say, it's hard to believe those dang villains started tossing their weight around out here in the boonies. No, it's not. Villains are everywhere now that heroes are, you know, in hiding. Uh, but uh, they're also going to t- take the civilians they rescued to Shiketsu. Uh, and uh, Ryukyu says, fewer people means much less intel. We're in a tight spot. And Fakum says, you know what this means? Gone are the days of slinging sneak attacks and raids at each other. Now it's the opposite. Both sides are pulling out all the stops, gearing up for a true blue all-out war on every front. Which, I get the point that they're making, which is like, hey, things are different now. It's going to be an out-in-the-open fight. But the last major battle that we saw um, seemed a lot like an all-out fight because... In fairness, the last true conflict that we saw between the two of them was all for one setting up an exploding VCR or whatever inside of a mansion. 
Yeah, that's a good point. So maybe they've been doing that for two years. So like, all right, look, finally, we're just going to just fight each other. It's some more fucking mansions and fucking explosions. All right. Yeah. Anyway, this was a chapter. I, I, I like this chapter. I thought it was pretty funny and I kind of appreciated the levity after like in preparation for presumably what is going to be the real shit happening relatively soon. I guess I'm actually now confused about the ending because in my mind, I was reading it as, oh, we're seeing Sun Eater, Fat Gum, and Nejere because what what the fuck's your superhero name? Spiral Ew. Lady? Nejere? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, I saw I saw the three of them and then they talked about, oh, let's talk about the other battle that could decide this. It's like, oh, maybe those characters are going to be involved in a big other battle that we're about to see, like kind of like a side fight oh, before things start. It's, it's her hero name is Nejire Chan. Okay. That's why. There you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know exactly what the implication of showing them at the end is meant to be. Um, but I did like the chapter. As I said, I thought it was funny. So good stuff. I mean, it was definitely like a reminder of like, Hey, there's a reason that, you know, people like Hatsume. It's that she's, you know, different and, and does weird, memorable things. Um, beyond that, getting past that point, there was just a lot of stuff that kind of felt like it was just telling me stuff that I already really figured from, you know, reading the past, mm. I don't know, several months worth of chapters. But um, hey, maybe maybe now we're going to be getting into stuff really, really happening. So, yeah, we'll see some uh, cool stuff, hopefully. All right, Nick. Undead Unluck. Let's talk about Undead Unluck. Number 93, The Song of Spring. So we open with Spring giving sort of like a, a farewell speech uh, to Fuko saying, good of you to come. Let us hurry and start our game with each other. You shall be the one tasked with casting to die here. Twould sour the game should any cheating aid my play. And uh, Andy from outside it says, oh, looks like everything's about to start. All right, guys, let's start drinking. <laughs> Except the kids, of course. And you get a, a help. What a, what a nice, responsible adult. Yeah. We get a, <laughs> a, a nice little note from Mishin to uh, explain that she's 23 years old, so she could drink. And uh, Andy, as he's slamming his sword into his, uh, into his hand, is just like, hey, Rip, how about you? Like Japanese sake, right? And Rip's just like, the fuck are you talking about? What, what what's going on? What are we doing? <laughs> and Andy slashes apart a tree and uh, uses them to make cups out of basically. And immediately, like people are just like, "What the fuck?" Are you? Like mostly Rip is like, "What the fuck are you doing? You're not possibly." And Andy's just like, "Yeah, of course I am, because these are going to be the last cherry blossoms before spring is out of here. So let's drink and see a mountain style." And Rip's like, hey, if Fuko loses, we turn into cherry trees. And he says, yeah, that's why she's going to win. Anyway, can you drink? And I just like that Rip's response is, of course I can, you sack of crap. <laughs> uh, and it really is amusing. Rip really does not really ever get on board with this plan. <laughs> he really is flabbergasted as things go on. Uh, Fuko hey. is... Sorry. He's, like, he's literally the only one who's just like, why? <laughs> what is happening here? <laughs> Uh, Fuko grabs Spring outside of the 
body of spring, carcass of spring, whatever you'd want to call it, the core. And it says, mind if I bring spring over there? It's too dark in here. And I love Rip's like, you haven't started yet? We're going to turn into cherry trees. And Fuko shows up and they bring over a bunch of people and they're like a big line of them. And it's like, here's to uh, here's thanks to the blossoms in full bloom. Cheers. And we see all the characters who are basically of age drinking, except for Rip, who's just watching. He's like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> also, uh, a note for what's going to happen, because uh, uh, Moo is her name, right? Yeah. Or isn't uh she doesn't have the sake cups like everyone does. She's got like a Gara gourd. Yeah. Uh, no, that's instead. that's not Mui. That's Latla. Latla. Because yeah. all of Under's on one side. I think Mui isn't drinking. She might not be old enough. Or Shen... maybe she just doesn't partake. So. Well, she, yeah, Shen's drinking. It looks like. Um. So Spring's like, wait, what are you guys doing? And like having a viewing party. He's like, yeah, but like. The whole of you are about to turn into cherry trees. It's it's gonna happen. What do you you have to hate? You have to hate spring. You're turning into this. You have to act quickly and kill me. And Andy just shoves the gourd into Spring's mouth and says, "Shut the hell up and drink." Spring should be disrupting the viewing uh, festivities. Uh, if you're Spring, you should act like Spring. Just sit back and observe the people viewing the cherry blossoms. Watch them get all drunk and rowdy and marvel at their chucklehead antics with a laugh and a smile. And uh, Latla is apparently a very light drinker uh, because she's already trying to mack on Rip. Who's well, just like, she, she did have more than anyone else. So. I, that is true. I guess they, they drank for a while. They, 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 they drank heavy there. Oh, um, yeah. She, she's trying to get some from, uh, from Rip. Oh, God, I forgot this. Rip. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so everybody starts turning into trees, and he's like, well, it looks like time's up. Uh, Chikara laments, why did it start with my head? Because it's different <laughs> for everybody. Uh, Shin is not turning quite yet because uh, she arrived late. So it hasn't actually started to affect her yet. But then he just says, the party's in full swing now. Let's get to gambling the last game. Round three, even our odd gambling. And Fuko is, is about to start casting the dice, but she looks really, really sad. And she starts crying. And Andy leans down to her and says, simply living out your days isn't necessarily what's best. Living toward a good and eventual end is what life's all about. Spring wanted people to love him so much, and now your unluck, your love, can help him die. Send him on his way, Fuko. And we see uh, Spring thinking, kind of lamenting everything. How long must I continue to live this light? You know, till a day comes when people play and act earnestly with you, till people with taste cross your path. The Shin's last words. And it's happened. Boom. 6-4. Even. Fuko called it. Has won the game. 2-1. And now is uh, Spring's dying. And I guess the way Spring dies is like in the tragic anime fire to the face kind of thing is uh, slowly fading away. Um, so immediately... Uh, Spring starts calling out to Ashin and saying, I must say I'm sorry for I'm the one who killed your great ancestor and I'm sure you detest everything to do with Spring. And Ashin says, no, the unbreakable teachings that were ac acquired in Spring have been passed down over the course of 150 years. I don't know what you and the first spoke of, but our family holds a tradition started by the first. 
A shin is the name we carry as blacksmiths, but as for the names we carry as people from birth, we add a certain character to them. I am sorry for the late introductions. I am Yamamoka, Yam, Yamaoka Ishin the 15th. My other name is Haruka Yamaoka, Haruka the Song of Spring. And Spring starts crying, saying, So I see, I shall end things with one last recital. And we get one last little bit saying, Warmth and kindness have ushered in a change in this set of rules that I shall cherish with pride, for I am the spring itself. This is a beautiful chapter. Yeah. This is, um, this works on a lot of different levels. Uh, I love that there is the note that, you know, everyone kind of knows that, yeah, spring is, is going to die here, assuming that things work out the way that they want them to. And so Andy tries to have a celebration, you know, yeah. to make it, you know, a, a, a nice, as happy an occasion as possible. Uh, and we get, you know, the little jokes that are thrown in there, uh, you know, like with, you know, Chikara's head turning into a tree uh, and and, uh, and the stuff with Lotla and Rip. Uh, and then once it's time to actually do the deed, if you've got, you've got Fuko tearing up because she realizes the way of what she's going to have to do. Andy saying what is presumably essentially the entire ethos of the series uh, and also potentially giving us a preview of what the end of the manga might be because you get the I get the impression that the reason why he says this is because this is what he's known for a long time. It's that that's what he wants to have happen is he just, you know, when he dies, he wants it to be, you know, to have led a good life. And he doesn't care if, he, if he's got to die. Um, and I do wonder if Fuko knows that, too, now. Yeah, I, I think you definitely read into him saying that line about living out your days toward a good and eventual end is what life's all about for a person who cannot die. Mm. And uh, then we get the conclusion and then we go on another nice happy note with, you know, Ishin or Haruka assuring spring that no, her family doesn't hate spring. They've always respected him and carried on his uh, legacy. Yeah. And uh, then you get that big two page spread at the end, which is also very lovely. So this is a great chapter from beginning to end, and it gives you a lot of different things. It's, it's really, really, really good. Yeah, this, I think, was a very sweet chapter. There's a lot of little details in it, and it really just plays to how much... It plays to all of the strengths of Undead Unlock that I've seen. It's, it's very creative, but it also really just flows in a cool, awesome way, and uh, is a really great, satisfactory conclusion to this whole spring saga. You know, mini arc, whatever you'd want to call it. Yeah. Uh, and I do have to wonder if um, I will still have no recollection of this next year. <laughs> if you didn't get One Piece 1000, there's no more guarantees. Uh, no, no guarantees at all. Oh, keep going. Okay. Let's talk about Kaiju number eight God then, Nick. It. Okay. Let's talk about Kaiju number eight, chapter 53, no chapter title. Yeah, well, because yeah, Kaiju doesn't do that. All right, so Kaiju number nine um, absorbed Isao recently, and uh, Narumi and Kafka are trying to fight him. Meanwhile, Kikoru is also there, and she's like, oh my god, the guy who killed my dad is right in front of me. 
but he completely outclassed me. I'm completely helpless in this situation. And so she's just crying with frustration over this. Well, the other two do the whole like dash around really quickly fighting the thing that can't be hurt. Uh, Shonen fight thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they're slowly getting pushed back, even despite the fact that it's a two on one fight. Um, even when they trade blows like Kafka gets knocked backwards and Kaiju number nine does not. But then he's like, all right, I'm going to go home now. But as Kafka number nine starts to leave. Uh, suddenly his uh, arm falls off. He's like, ah. Curious wow. that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Narumi shouts out to Kafka not to let up the the assault. Uh, and n- number nine, as his the rest of his arm explodes off, goes, oh, the adverse effects of fusing are preventing me from hardening. Uh, it's so difficult when you combine with someone that can't get hard. So... Uh, number nine declares that number eight is the main problem here, even as, um, he takes a shot to the ribs. The ribs are fine, but not the flesh around them, I guess. Uh, and Kafka just shouts out saying the, he's not going to let Kaiju number nine get away because this is all just too damn much. Um, which I mean, it's weird wording. Like, I, I understand the point. Like, you know, yeah, it's like, hey, hey, you, you killed my, my, my friend's dad. And that, that dad also seemingly believed in me. So that's, I'm really pissed off about that. But the exact word choice makes me feel like, I mean, there's not a lot of really complex stuff that's going on here. It's really just that one thing. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's like the emotions of things are becoming too much. Like, we had just finally become friends with... um whatever his name was and seemed to have earned his respect and like, Hey, it looks like we were about to become this super powerful fighting force or whatever. And now you've turned him into a monster. Yep. Uh, so Kafka pushes the attack. Kaiju number nine realizes as this is happening, no doubt about it. The last obstacle standing in my way is you number eight. And he looks all ominous and scary in a big full page spread. And then we back out and see that uh, his entire body is slowly falling apart. So, you know, OK. Uh, Narumi and Kafka go and try and finish him off. But number nine just says, it's too bad. Neither of you will stop me. And his whole body goes click, click, and there's like plates of of skin and energy between them and stuff. And he says, this will bring things to an end. And um, a shockwave goes out. I don't know what he does, but a shockwave goes (laughs) out. And uh, then, uh, you know. Uh, Kikoro is back to her regular self too because she she shouts out Kafka Hibino, so you know she's fine. She's saying the whole name again. <laughs> it's it's such an annoying thing that she does. I don't know, like I don't know why it bothers me so much, but it's like why the whole name. Uh, but uh, number nine's uh, and the aftermath, the explosion. Number nine's legs fall off, but he's still got wings, so he's kind of hovering there. And he's like, "All right, guess I'm at my limit. Almost lost the body. I fought so hard to get." Oh no, no. Kafka and Narumi both withstood the huge shockwave. They're both fine and, and there, and they're like, "Say your prayers, you know, good." And Kaiju number nine just goes, "Ah, right. I can do this. I should have done this from the start. <laughs> right, right." And uh. He splits his head, and from each head, uh, gets set to launch a breath attack at uh, Kikaru and the one scientist guy who was there to help out Isao. Mm-hmm. 
And now we know why the scientist guy was there. It was so this would happen. So we'd <laughs> let me have, tell you something. We'd have emotions there, basically. So let me tell you something. Grown very attached to Kikoru over the past year or so of Kaiju number eight. Wouldn't want anything bad to happen to her. You know who else I've grown very attached to? The scientist whose name I don't know. <laughs> oh, Scientoso. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he launches the attacks and Narumi and Kafka have to rush in order to protect them because, I mean, I know Kikoru, like, you know, couldn't really hurt Kaiju number nine, but I guess now she can't dodge either. So, all right. Uh, but number nine is just, you know, gloating while the attacks launch outward and says, you're unable to abandon those who lie before you. Humans are such strange creatures. Goodbye, character number eight. The next time I make a move will mark the start of the kaiju era. And as he says this last part, his face turns into Isashi Namiya's and, uh, he flies up while, uh, Nermi and Kafka, uh, shield Kikaru and Scientoso from the blasts. And that's the end of the chapter. Uh, so I actually, uh, I don't know why I had so much saliva in my mouth. I sound like an older, so I actually really like this. One. Uh, I like this chapter. Um, we were kind of noting, like, it's going to take a little bit to like get into this arc or I just haven't been feeling it. This is the first time I was like, all right, I'm digging this. I'm liking this. Like, yes, it is a little silly that, uh, there wasn't a much emotional investment paid into this character almost to the point where like. And she's just been like a random little girl that was about to get attacked or something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, this character I know nothing about. Um, but I do really like the aesthetic decision to say that, like, because we, we noted before, what the fuck is his name? Asao? Was that the dad's name? Isao Shinomiya. Yeah. yeah. Had, like, a terrifying look to him. And then it's like, oh, no, he's a good guy. So repurposing his good look to be this twisted evil visage that Kaiju number nine uses... I think was a really good call because it's it it does make this character look intimidating when you see like oh it just molds itself into maybe just an eye or takes his entire face over and it looks pretty cool uh plus there's just something visually visually very cool about this fucking torso with wings flying away being like catch you later losers (laughs) i do definitely like certain parts of this chapter i appreciate that as we're getting down to the note of like, all right, Kaiju number nine is living to fight another day and is going to be a longer term uh, antagonist for this series. Then we get that reminder of like, oh, right. Kaiju number nine is a fucking asshole, uh, you know, where he just goes, ah, oh, yeah, I should do this. And, and you know, d- does the really shitty thing. And it it's nice to see that character shine through as opposed to I'm big now. And he just punches stuff. So, yeah, there's there's that. Um, there is also some cool artwork in this chapter. It's just that certain parts of the flow don't really click with me. That's fair. That is fair. Let's talk about Spy Family. Mission 58, part one. Uh, so we begin this chapter with Bond and Lloyd and Frankie in the park. Uh, Frankie is helping to uh, coach Bond because Lloyd's training him to uh, help to t- take down and immobilize suspects. And uh, Frankie's got the big old sleeve, you know, that they use to, to, to train uh, dogs. Uh-huh. And uh, 
Frankie's really not happy about having to do this. It's a good point. Lloyd, why don't you be the one who wears the sleeve thing? Someone has to tell the dog to bite. All right. It's not going to, it's a two person <laughs> job. Someone, look, if I could, I would. Trust me. It's, you're really the beneficiary in all this because this job, telling the dog to bite, sucks. What you're doing is kind of fun. You get to play with the dog <laughs> a little bit. But hey, you know what? I'm willing to make that sacrifice for the team. Don't you like playing with dogs? <laughs> uh, um, and uh, so this goes back and forth for a little bit. And then uh, Lloyd says to Bond, given the state of things lately, we have to be ready for anything. Uh, and then he says, that's enough of suppression and protection training. Let's move on to scent work and explosives detection. And Frankie's like, oh, I'm guessing you want me to be the terrorist who plants the bombs, right? I mean, honestly, Frankie, you've known this guy for a long time. You should be used to knowing what he expects from you. <laughs> uh, but Bond looks kind of sad. And uh, Lloyd's like, what? What's the matter? And Frankie points out like, uh, hey, you know how Bond was like some sort of weird, like, experimented on dog from like a rebel agency and stuff? Maybe, you know, he has bad memories of the bad stuff that they made him do. Anyway, bye. <laughs> and uh yeah bond's all upset because you just remember being scolded by mean scientist guys who were intent on taking down the government and stuff uh so lloyd's like all right you want to go for a walk and they start going for a walk and bond gets uh, distracted by stuff and he oh he sees a vision of the future it's a little kid upset that his ice cream has fallen on the ground uh so bond looks around for the kid in the ice cream and he think, gets this image and says, like, oh, I'll prevent the kid from losing his ice cream. And then Master will call me a good boy. So he goes and rushes towards the kid who gets scared by the giant dog jumping towards him. And his ice cream falls on the ground and he cries over the ice cream. I, I want to specifically call out that Bond sees the division. The kid loses his ice cream and the bullies that are there go, two scoops, more like two oops. <laughs> And I, I really like that that's, that's like part of the traumatizing vision that Bond sees. Like, oh, two oops. That kid's never going to live that down. Uh, well, it is his formative years. So, yeah, he'll on to it forever. Oh, yeah. Bond then sees a vision of an old person uh, being hit by a cyclist who, I don't know, is blind, I guess. Yeah. Like, I did. Maybe they just misjudged the, the timing. They thought the the person was walking faster or something. Uh, I'm sure that senior citizen will just race out of my way. Oh, no! <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> what have they done? So Bond rushes out again, grabs the senior citizen by their jacket. And, of course, they're just like, hey, get off me! <laughs> uh, but because of Bond's interference, cyclists didn't hit them. Good boy, Bond. But Lloyd's but, upset. But it wasn't immediately happened. obvious that bond stopping them stop the cyclists from hitting them yeah, yeah. so i was just like oh my dog <laughs> uh and bonds just thinking like oh if anya were here she would know that i did good <laughs> 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 i do love the fr the probably completely accurate uh uh uh, imagination spot of Anya saying great job Bond you saved the future it's like that is probably exactly yeah. what she would say that, that does sound like a classic Anya move yeah 
so Lloyd uh, is, you know, getting kind of pissed off, but mostly just pissed off at himself because he's like, I, I'm just not getting this dog. And it's just like, I'm not getting Anya. So what's going on here? Uh, Bond gets an image of foresight of uh, a pigeon pooping on her hat. <laughs> But then he imagines like, oh, if I try and interfere, though, then then Lloyd will get upset at me and he'll send me back to the pound. So he shakes that off. But then he gets an image in his head of fire, fire burning, fire burning a building. And uh, and I want being really upset about her daisy being inside the building. So this Bond can't ignore. He barks to get, and yanks at, at his leash to get Lloyd's attention and rushes off and they go and find the burning building. Um, and, uh, we do get a brief comment from someone who says like, there's been a lot of fires lately. A lot of people are saying that it's arson. Hmm. Uh, Bond realizes that Daisy is in trouble. So he bites through his leash and rushes into the building. Lloyd is of course forced to pursue and is like, okay, okay. Maybe, maybe he smells something inside the building. Uh, he goes looking around. He comes across Bond, and Bond is yipping uh, at something. So, Lloyd, ha! Action kicks uh, he, the beam that's going to hit kick, Bond. My dude fucking roundhouse kicks a flaming beam of wood. Just fucking chops that shit away with a kick. Like, I know it's a manga. I know it's like an action series. We've seen Lloyd do a bunch of crazy things. But really, just take into mind, a, a beam that holds up this fucking house, this, this fucking area just falls and it's on fire. And my dude just fucking, just fucking hook kicks that shit away. Well, what we don't see is afterward Lloyd going, Ah! Shin splint. Ah! I should have stretched first. Uh... So after saving Bond, he looks down and sees that Bond has picked up little puppy. That's the puppy's got a collar on that very obviously says Daisy. I'm not a big softy when it comes to dogs. Oh, the cats okay. are like my thing. That is the cutest fucking dog. Like, look at that fucking little that little thing. Like, it's got its biggest dumbest expression on its face. Like, hey, I was just about to burn to death. You saved me. Blap. <laughs> Is that it throwing up on you? <laughs> eh, that or the tongue. I don't know. It's 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 a very cute dog, and it was saying. I think the thing that strikes me about it is you just get an idea of like how much bigger Bond is because like the distance from his mouth to his collar is the same as the dog's entire length. So, so Lloyd is happy to see that Bond ran to the building for a good reason after all, and they go to escape. But oh no, more beams collapse in their way, and. Bond is starting to panic, and Lloyd thinks to himself, I've got to keep him calm. What do we do? I need to think of something fast. Uh, and that's the end of the chapter. Big cliffhanger to end this uh, chapter. Yeah, this is a Quite cute... I, sh I shouldn't say a cute chapter. It ends with <laughs> two dogs in a burning building potentially about to die. But this was, like, a nice, very sweet chapter about Bond just wanting to be useful and feeling like he's he's misunderstood, even though all he wants to do is help. It's very It's very sweet. Now, this is uh, Mission 58 Part 1, so I wonder if it's just going to be less time until the next one, the next chapter of Spy Family, or if it's just going to be like, no, no, it's it's just you know, one story. I think no it'd be pretty metal if the next chapter doesn't 
doesn't address this at all. And like the next chapter is like Lloyd getting ready for a fancy. You're just safe party. back home. And well, like for a while, you're like, where the fuck's Bond? I haven't seen Bond in a while. What happened to Bond? And eventually, <laughs> he just shows up in a background of a panel scene, like seventy chapters later. You're like, oh, I guess Bond was fine. They really just left us out to dry for that. <laughs> All right, Nick. That's that for Spy Family. Yeah, it was a, it was a nice little chapter. It was nice to see Bond. You know, like getting a little bit more time uh considering that you know he didn't show up on the yacht yes obviously um and yeah the life of a dog who can see the future but never gets credit for saving anyone's ice cream Aww. all right nick let's move on from bond to butt by talking about eden zero chapter 173 feather alighting and the reason i say that is because it's the cover page i don't know why it's homora's butt she's i don't know reaching for uh, dharma or something like that yeah she's putting like the crown on a dharma or something like that or taking you know it? what i'm not sure <laughs> maybe what's going on here is we're supposed to like observe the urn in the background and this will actually reveal something important about the lore of eden zero and see there's actually something very important going on here you're not just supposed to be staring at her butt you know, this is the genius of hero at work <laughs> going on. Here. I, I, it's one of those things where I'm, I, I try to pull it back sometimes because I'm like, maybe I go after Eden Zero too much for its horniness. And then there are moments where I'm just like, I don't even know what this shot's supposed to be. She's doing something, but it's butt fucking first into that camera. So you know what? I guess go for it. Uh, anyway, we open uh, as uh, Hermit kind of goes over the plan. Hey, we're going to attack planet Leonard. Uh, Eden Zero's gonna go Lindard. there. Lindard. It's lettered in my mind. We've already established. Lindard. Lindard. Uh, Eden Zero's gonna attack it, and Elsie will will join with her forces. We're gonna do a joint attack, and her uh, Hamora's like, we've never faced an enemy with such large forces. It's like, you attacked an empire just last start. Like, this these can't possibly be as large as the entire army of a cosmos. I don't believe you, but okay. Um, Listen, the entire time that we have been fighting against Ziggy's forces, this is going to be the uh, greatest amount of resistance that we have uh, ever experienced in all of our battles. And all the trips to the uh, to, to the hairdresser that Clean and Jin skipped because <laughs> <laughs> look at look at Jin's hair. <laughs> we did see Jin's hair previously. We also see Clean in that page as well. And I was like, oh, wow, Clean actually looks a lot different. Uh, she, you know, theoretically has grown up a lot now in the past three years she spent on this battle vessel as a character who now has emotions again. Uh, and that is amplified by her wearing, I guess, like a skin tight bodysuit that's half sheer or something like that. Um, it's, let's just call it a plug suit. Yeah, and, something uh, like short, that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, I was like, why don't I remember her looking this different before? I'm like, oh, right. Because last time we were introduced to her was her in the bath. So it was impossible uh, to discern anything about her at that couldn't point. Tell what, couldn't, tell, couldn't tell how her clothes changed because she was naked. Yeah. Oh, hero, keeping all of your developments in the back pocket for us. And then uh, Mr. Krabs got in. He's like, oh, I have buckles. I've already told you I'd be recently escaped from the planet Leonard. I've been all going back there to that accursed place. Did serious I be? As captain of this ship, I order you to. And sister's like, you're not our captain. 
You could just fucking leave if you want. Just fucking go. He's You're like, immediately all done with him. He's like, oh, heartless lads, the lot of ye. All of Kate's cool moose be already under Ziggy's control and I be a fugitive. I could never shake off Ziggy's pursuers and a puny little starfighter. It's immediately gets distracted by, yeah, by Pino. Exactly. <laughs> And they're like, yeah, we heard you were like floating around in fucking space without a ship at all. So what does it matter? He's like, that was just good luck, essentially. Like, you're not going to take me to planet fucking Leonard. And they're like, all right, I guess we have to drop him off somewhere. So they're like, all right, I guess we will. And they kind of like lament that this is like an issue, but also simultaneously admit that this is not really like... A difficult thing at all they're like oh we'll have to recharge our energy drives they're like but those recharge pretty you know, uh, like easily i guess this is just a slight inconvenience of our time boop they're black at the blue garden uh we get a panel showing how popular rebecca is as weiss is like yeah we haven't been to this cosmos in ages wait a minute and he thinks back to xiao Mei, and he's like oh we could have just asked her where ziggy was all along and hermit pops up on a screen to be like no we can't there's a plot reason for that. You can't just do that. Planet she's on teleports around and shit like that. She can't do it. It's not a plot hole. Shut up. So here's the thing. Okay. It's still a plot hole <laughs> because they were traveling around doing this for three years and they never thought to do this. They just remembered it now. They're in that. Look, how many times would you possibly think, oh, yeah, remember that barefoot woman who told us about the future? Like, you'd have to be thinking about the future or see bare feet or be fighting and remember that giant tournament she had and her fighting fetish. None of those things are ever going to come up to possibly remind you of her. You know, when I made that decision to abandon the planet, she appeared in like a vision to me. That's all you guys about that. No. All right. <laughs> um, Laguna shows up and is like, hey, because, uh, sorry, Captain Connor is just like, good planet this is. Oh, I could, I could live a safe, peaceful life here. Uh, and Laguna's like, hey, why were you working on Ziggy's planet? He's like, I didn't know it was Ziggy's planet when I worked there, you know? <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm asking, what was a human doing on a place that builds robots automatically in the first place? And he's like, well, there's only so many jobs a human can do. And I was a captain from the Aoi Cosmos Freedom Force. And they're like, oh, you were fighting the Empire? It's like, yeah, you know, the forces there were defeated by Nero and his armies. And I, I abandoned me ship before it sunk. And I can't help but wonder, could I say on my, on, on my force, maybe I'd be flattering myself, but I'd like to think I'd make a difference. And he looks over and clean... Rebecca and Hamora are just kind of talking about how popular Rebecca is. Um, oh, because she she got chased by a bunch of fans a little bit ago. Yeah, so. she got she was she she got uh, chased by fans. So they're just commenting on that, noting, oh, it'd be even worse if Couchpo was there with us. Uh, apparently, three years later, I know the kitchen can make just about anything, but Couchpo is still so obsessed with the kitchen she couldn't come on this mission. Like she's just like she she didn't come. She, 
she's, she's it's a kitchen that makes everything for you by the way i heard someone mention they're like oh well couch boat cooks everything on the ship it's like no she doesn't she doesn't cook anything <laughs> the kitchen does everything they have like an instant matter transporter so three years later she's still just as fucking yeah you know she's like, like the crew's unofficial chef which means she's a freeloader <laughs> uh and connor as he's observing this says out loud i had a daughter if she were alive She'd be right around the age of those lasses there. That's the exact word you use. If she were if alive. If she were alive. And Cheeky repeats that. And he says, she left me soon after she were born. That be what inspired me to leave me ship. And Cheeky's crying. He's like, I'll be your new daughter. And it's actually kind of a funny scene because Connor's like, it wait, is. wait, what's happening? He's like, think of me as your daughter, dad. And Connor's like, no, thank you. Yeah, like, what are you? No. Uh, and Pino's like, it must be hard that she passed away so soon after she's, she was born. And Connor's like, no, she don't be dead, I reckon. <laughs> she look, well, she left me meaning me wife took off and left her and took her you along. You said if she were alive. Yeah. You're like, what weirdly misleading wording otherwise. <laughs> what he should have said was... If she were still here, yes. or if she were still with me, or like if she that, were yes. still around, anything that's nebulous and not as very specific as if she were alive, <laughs> brackets, which I don't know if she's dead or not. <laughs> Second set of brackets, but I'm pretty sure she's alive, therefore confirmed a couple sentences later when I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure she's still alive. Um. Uh, so he says, yeah, that's why I've been traveling uh, from cosmos to cosmos, looking for me wife and daughter. Now here I be. Uh, and we cut over to the, with no follow-up to that, we cut over to the Adventurer's Guild shooting Starlight, where the secretary, or whatever she was, walks up and is like, this character. hey, so I, I, Rebecca, you're here. And I always forget about how this character is like friends with Rebecca or something. I forgot this character. I, if you had told me, like, yeah, there was another character in the guild, I'd be like, yeah, like uh, Mirabella, whatever that, that the, the jerk character's name was. They're like, no, right, right. there was another character. And I'd be like, sure. <laughs> uh, Noah shows up and is like, good to see you all. And Cheeky's like, you. And fucking Noah's like, are you still angry of that one incident? Why maybe tried to sell Rebecca off into slavery? Can't you get over that? Um, and they note like oh you're probably just angry because we're part of uh, opposing organizations a ratio on says galactic is not an organization <laughs> it's not an organization i don't think he shouldn't join it he didn't sign a form or anything they just said he's an ratio on says galactica <laughs> and he was like i guess i am yeah they're on different sides uh they're like yeah so all right we, we dropped off captain i don't even know why they visit the guild i'm trying to uh. i'm trying to see if i missed a line they came to his plan to drop off captain connor oh they okay never mind sorry they're asking the guild to take him in okay there we go i wanted to clarify that i was like why did they go to the guild if they were just dropping off connor and leaving because now they're saying all right we've done what we needed to let's get off the planet and that's when hermit contacts them and says hey we have a problem the Interstellar Union Army knows we came to this planet. And immediately she's like, Noah, you ratted us out. And Noah's like, no, I didn't. It's Feather. 
from the Eurasian 6 Interstellar. She also has the same power as I do. The God, the Eye of God Ether Gear that allows its user to observe people's locations. And we get a callback joke to Weiss doing the joke. Hey, we could have just used that to figure out where Ziggy is. No, this also isn't a plot point because you can't find mechanical life forms. So it wouldn't have worked. Um, I feel like there's ways around that, but all right. Uh, anyways, they're like, hey, the Eden Zero is surrounded. We can't go anywhere. This, this, like, what do, what do you want to do, Captain? Chiki's like, they're not our enemy. Don't shoot them. In fact, we're we're going to withstand their attack until then. And they're going to send a bunch of people after you. So you got to do something. And we get, like, an introduction to Feather from the ground up. So we could see her boobs from below. I don't know. It's not a good way to introduce a character for the first time, really. Like in a full page spread or a full body spread, but whatever. Uh, Feather's like, they will emerge from the building soon when you see them shoot. And Shiki's like, all right, you know what? News is going to happen after they gave me the title. What we're going to do is I'm going to lure them away. And while they're all distracted, you guys go. I'm going to be right behind you. And I don't know why this scene happens. They could have just said it a different way because Rebecca's like, no, we're a crew. We'll go back to the ship together. And it's not like Shiki was sacrificing himself. He no, was, he was just going to join up with them again later. Yeah, I, but instead it's like, no, let's all run a marathon together, even though two of our members are a fucking cat and a, like a baby robot who can't move as fast. Whatever. Let's all make a run for the ship, but don't kill anybody. And Feather ends the chapter by saying, I see it. You all are emerging together. And presumably this will be a chance to have all the characters show off all the cool new skills they have. Yeah, Those presumably. Um, yep. Uh, hey, Captain Connor is uh, there. Uh, I hope that somehow he'll actually stick around because he is like a different and, you know, entertaining kind of character. And he does actually, you know, like provide like some potentially interesting plot leads. Uh, but the only thing I can think right now is that they left a lot of emphasis on the fact that he has a uh, long separated daughter who is the same age as Amora and Rebecca and clean, which means I'm just kind of like making bets with myself on which sexual fetish she'll fulfill when she does show up. So, yeah, well, I'm trying to think, do we know about Rebecca's parentage at all? I can't remember. Okay. So. I was like, I wonder if it's a character we've already met at this point. I mean, yeah. It seems unlikely to be Homora, and we know Clean's right. parents are dead. Yep. So I was like, "Do we know anything about Rebecca's family? Maybe it was her. I don't know." Anyways, uh, I actually thought the chapter for the most part it was kind of fine. I kind of dug a, a little bit of it, but at the end, it was kind of there. Yeah, it's 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 fine. Yes, uh, and yes. The secretary girl showed up again. So as we all want, we have that. Uh, we have that Eden zero character guessing. She's <laughs> a valid choice. If uh, either of us can remember her name. <laughs> all right. Ugh, pardon me. Let's talk about Doran. Doran. Yes. Um. So. Uh, I kind of read this chapter, but not really. And it, uh, so Dora and Kusanagi 
are visiting Genchio's home. They have been summoned to her home, and it's very big and extravagant, and it looks, you know, like a big, fancy, like, old Japanese-style uh, home. And uh, they're like, oh, my God, you're loaded. Uh, who, just, just who are you? And she says, oh, my parents run a bunch of companies, and they, you know, run, like, fine dining institutions, and they make, like, traditional Japanese desserts and stuff. And they're like, wait a minute. Your last name is Yagyu. Does your family own the Yagyudo brand? And she's like, yeah. And Dora's like, oh my god, you make delicious Doriaki. And he says, for the first time, I actually respect you. And I do love that Kinshu has to just say, I I don't make them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't personally make these things. Um, she also says that she lives in the home by herself. With her attendance. Um, and uh, so they go in and Dora's looking around and he spots a bunch of uh, like crumbled up uh, uh, like rum fragments of stuff. And he's like, what are those? And uh, this older woman appears and says, I am Pillar, sir. I am Debuchi, a humble servant of that household. And she explains that Kinshu uses iron pillars for her samurai training. So she, you know, slices through them and they go knock over and go, I guess. Uh, she shred them apart. Uh, and uh, also she 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 knows about um, Kusanagi. So, um, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but... She also establishes the servants trust Ginchiyo-sama implicitly. She is diligent and highly principled. Please, I beseech you to help her. And Dora's like, yeah, okay. Uh, Ginchiyo calls them over. Uh, they go into uh, her room, and she has many, many stuffed animals. And she starts kind of cuddling Kusanagi like one, because she thinks he's cute. Yeah, that's like, you know, it's like this, the cool character trait she has is like, She's a cool character, but she likes stuffed animals. Yep. Uh, and so Dora's like, all right, so why'd you call us over here? And she says, so I could pet Kuchan. And Dora's like, Aah! and she's like, just kidding. Because that's what she does. She'll say something, and then before the beat can entirely land, she'll contradict herself. It is hard to tell that she's doing this joke because it's always done in the same panel. So mm -hmm. usually the first time I read it, I don't pick up that she made the joke or something like that. Like, I almost feel like I miss it sometimes. There is a happy medium between this and uh, the thing with Hatsume, where she says something and then contradicts herself three pages later, you know. Anyway, uh, she says that, uh, you know, this is like to just kind of like build trust. And also she has something to ask of Kusanagi. Why are you willing to vanquish Mononoke, your own species? And Kusanagi pauses and then explains that Mononoke are driven by much stronger desires than humans. You can never dissuade them with mere words. I couldn't save the first human friend I made. A Mononoke devoured them. And I don't want to experience that sadness again. And that's, that's why I decided to rid the world of bad Mononoke. A gruesome fucking image because we could tell from the image it was a fucking child who was killed because there's a little hat and a little shoe. Uh, maybe it was a small person who likes wearing <laughs> children's clothes. They could. They really like wearing like the small schoolboy hat, and they just happen to have like fucking children's shoes on them. Yeah, 
Yeah. All right. That makes sense. You know what? This is better. It was probably like a 90 old guy who's like lived his whole life. He's like, I just wanted to experience my youth again. Cleaning it around this tiny little pair of shoes as I'm going to yeah. throw it up over my telephone pole to let people know that they can sell marijuana around here. Hold on a second. I'm zooming in. I'm zooming in. Uh, okay. Uh, actually, I can see. Yes, there's a student ID there. It says that the kid was age four. All right. Oh, so. dear. Oh, no. Killed a four-year-old. All right. <laughs> So, and it was uh, probably delicious. Like I don't want to say it, but we all kind of know, right? Like it would have probably been a delicious, delicious meal. Not to take away at all from this moment, <laughs> you know, child dying, getting eaten. You know, uh, Ginchio is clearly, you know, perturbed by this. She's like, "Oh, oh my god, yeah, freaking! You're willing to kill your own species because they took your friend away." Shit. Dora says, "Yeah." When I heard that story earlier. I was like, Hold on. <laughs> don't, don't, don't you do this. Like, yeah, I heard that story first. <laughs> don't be that guy. I heard about the sad, the, the dead four-year-old before you, so I've already prepared for it. Like, what the fuck? Uh, and he says, yeah. And when I heard that story, I was thinking about how dangerous those monocated desires are. Look at Kusanagi. Stand to much larger enemies to protect people. Kusanagi's desire to make the world kinder and happier is truly unshakable. Okay. okay, and then and then Kusanagi and Dora are like, yeah, it's our goal together. Yep. All right. Um, but then uh, Genshio gets a call on her communicator thing, which looks like a child's radio, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but she rides off on her motorcycle, which I guess she has. I don't think we've seen her on it to this point because I thought she would just kind of samurai hop around. But she's riding on a motorcycle. And uh, Dora is riding behind her, and uh, Kusanagi is his helmet. Fair enough. Mm. Um, and uh, she presses the point of like, hey, you know, like, Kuchan, if, you, if you're going to help out, then don't let anyone see you transform, and I'll deliver the lethal blow and everything. Uh, Dora is like, oh, so that means that we're just going to be your support. Uh, but Kichio says, yep, we're on official duty right now, so... Don't count on me to save you if you're in trouble. We're there to rescue, not to be rescued. Uh, um, and she smiles under her helmet when they say that they're ready. It's a kind of an odd looking shot because the way you can. It's hard to describe. The helmet hides her mouth, but then you can see through the helmet like I show 21 style. But because her mouth just does the V thing when she smiles, it looks really weird imposed over the image of the helmet. Yeah. Just protector anyway uh they also say that if they run into that if kinshira runs into trouble then they'll protect her and she's like that's not gonna happen uh they park and uh apparently the monkey fled in a certain direction and dora can't sense anything but kinshira can and she dashes up a slope uh and runs after the monkey uh, and there's just a, ca- a casual cyclops just with people over his shoulders like, doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. <laughs> I'm just getting out of here. What a score. I'm going to eat all these kids. Oh, God, my legs. <laughs> oh, I need those. Uh, but uh, when Genshiro cuts through it, there's no resistance. Um, and uh, it turns out that the cyclops was really a bunch of eyes that gathered together into a body formation thing. It's it's the Hyakume Kozo, the hundred-eyed boy. 
And so they're like, oh, we're going to get you. And Mash is going to be angry and stuff. Uh, Genshio flashes her blade in this like series of rapid slashes. Uh, and uh, But she can't get rid of all the eyes. And a bunch of them just fly away. And they're like, we're just going to regenerate. Bye. We're going over the river where you can't reach us. Uh, but then wind blows them back. Because Dora Tur and Kusanagi are there. And Kusanagi's a fan. And they blow them back towards Genshio. And uh, Genshio uh, cuts the rest of the eyes down with her rapid slash hurricane flux attack. And that's the end of the chapter. It's actually pretty good. It's okay. Was it? I mean, it's, it's okay. I, I don't know. I'm having a real trouble like getting into this series. I don't care for Genshio as like, I don't know. I just don't know what she is. I guess... I guess she's like the comedic relief. Even if I don't find her funny, though, but the lead's so boring, I don't think of him as a straight man. Like, there's no back and forth that really works at the moment. Which is surprising because the entire point is that there is a human and a Mononoke who are doing, you know, working together in a partnership. So you'd think that there would be some form of double act involved, but their personalities are too similar to each other to really get a good, like, dynamic going. Yeah. So. It's a good thing that Genshio is there to, like, make anything happen. That is true. Uh, she is probably the most memorable character, but I just haven't been like, I want to be able to like this stuff. And I really just like, I want to like Genshio. And I just find myself being kind of apathetic towards her. I get that. Uh, and I will say that this is probably the best chapter of this series so far. And it was okay. All right. <laughs> So, chapter of the week potentially no <laughs> it was some, the most okay chapter of the some week. would say undead unluck was pretty good but did it have a giant fan in it might have shit i think it did have a giant fan somewhere in there shit all right what about <laughs> nah never mind nick i yes. don't want to be sad but i think i'm going to okay we got to talk about Magu-chan. So we we were talking a little bit before before we got on the call. And uh, you said that you're uh, you're pretty sure the series is ending soon. Yeah, this is... is it just like the way that the story seems to be going. Or is there anything else that makes you think that uh, the series sales has been not great. And then it's been ranking pretty poorly. But them very like kind of out of nowhere being like all right here's the second chaos god feels a bit like all right we gotta wrap this up there's there there is spoilers. going to, yeah <laughs> spoilers for a chapter we're about to talk about it it might not i've been wrong before about this series uh however uh kirby uh from our discord who is i believe magu chan's number one fan has lost faith uh so i don't know I'm banking on it. I feel like they they have like the physical pulse on Magu Chan in in a very special way. So I don't know. Well, we'll get into it. Yes. Chapter seventy three of Magu Chan: Eternal Peace. Uh, so uh, we start off with uh, with Ruru's mom just asking her, "Hey, do you have any dreams for the future?" Uh, and she points out, hey, you're going to take entrance exams for high school soon. 
you're going to graduate, you know, junior high. What, what do you want to do with your life? And Rue is like, I mean, I've never really thought about it because she's a kid. And but she says, you know, once I'm in high school, though, I want to get like a part time job. And her mom's like, no, 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 no. Beyond that. What do you want to do when you're 30? Answer me now. 13 year old. <laughs> Let's get you alone. <laughs> like, no, no. <laughs> uh, but she says, hey, you know, if you decide you want to do something, just let me know, because I, I want to support you however I can. Uh, and then she heads out because she's got to go to work. Uh, and Rue's, you know, just kind of left to think to herself, like, what do I want to do in the future? And then she says, Magu-chan, do you have any dreams for the future? I do not dream. I keep my eye firmly on my ambitions. Yeah, that's that's dreams, but okay. Uh, and then he goes, he brings up his amazing plan, which is still, to this day, I shall fill the Blood Oath's book with the names of lowly humans and rule the entire world. And Rur says, I'm not sure if that's cute or creepy. I say it's cute. Uh, but uh, then Magu very, very weirdly, like kind of like cheerfully smacks around the cheek with his tentacle. It's like, I shall make any silly dream of yours a reality. <laughs> Tell me your wish. <laughs> uh, and Rur still doesn't know what she wants. So he says, why not rule the world with me? I will give you half of it. Ah, oh, yeah, Rue's just your minion. That's all, Magu, isn't it? <laughs> give you, give her half the world. Come on, buddy. But Rue's still not interested. Maybe like your half and my half could overlap a little bit, so we could like hang out together in that area. You know. <laughs> in fact, we should just like make that where we currently live, so that yes. neither of us has to. <laughs> That'll be the capital of the two halves we control. Also, the doctor store can be in both of our halves. <laughs> <laughs> also, the dog. <laughs> but not the dog's family. They, they have to be on your they side. They have to be on your side. We are splitting <laughs> them up. The dog shall remain on my sword. Um, I do also like that when Ruru rejects the idea that they'll rule the world together, Magu gets upset. <laughs> He's like, oh. <laughs> um... So Rue decides, okay, well, maybe I can ask everyone else at school what their dreams are. And Nabutiku is the first and most important person. It's the one we want to hear about the, the most, so. Yeah. I want to have my own restaurant! I'll make a killing and control the world! <laughs> and the fucking boring-ass Ren's like, I don't know, maybe become a public servant? Like, you fucking nerd. Let's let's go back and talk about Nabutiku and all the things that Nabutiku will cook. And there'll be dogs that you can pet <laughs> oh in a restaurant saying that won't be a headache <laughs> just dogs running about and you'll all like the hair that gets in your food because i will tell you to with my maddening roar <laughs> hermit crabs crawling from the ceiling tiles <laughs> delivering your food on tiny trays none of them will have washed all the sea salt off at all You'll just have to deal with it. Aww. Anyway, make me five star restaurant. Okay. <laughs> uh, Une says, not Une. Oh, fuck. What's her name? Is it? I forget her name. I always forget her name. It's You got the, me. I don't. That is a cryptid girl. Gula's partner girl. She says that she wants to be a researcher and identify unidentified species. Makes sense. Gula says, I'm going to be a guide, which makes sense. Uh, Yuika says that she wants to work at a video game store or a candy store or become a superhero. 
Okay. I hope she can accomplish all three. She's sure. a superhero who who daylights at a video game store, moonlights at a candy store, and I do not know when she fights crime. It doesn't seem to fit into her schedule at all. I do like that it's basically just a little kid dream, yeah. and that's it. But hey, yeah, I, I th- this did make me like her a little bit more because she's not one of my favorite characters. Like, hey, fuck it. She's fucking going for it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then I related to Zonzuke, who's like, I don't want to cause trouble. <laughs> I don't want to be a bother. <laughs> that's your aspiration that's... in life. Like, oh, I don't want to trouble anybody. Don't worry about little old me. Oh, boy. Uh, Izuma says that he wants to become one of the ten divine generals to be okay. He'll be the sixth member of the ten. He'll be the sixth member of the ten divine generals. A lot easier than becoming like the Elite Four in Pokemon. So you're like, God, I have to kill Bruno. This sucks. <laughs> Why him? <laughs> I mean, what am I going to take out Lorelai? Oh, yeah, I guess I could just leave it for the old they lady. Did that. <laughs> what happened to her between Kanto and Johto? We don't know. <laughs> uh, is it considered the same Elite Four? Well, because Bruno is there. Oh, never mind. I'm thinking Agatha. That's who I was thinking of. Agatha, I guess, could die any minute now. Anyway, great fun thoughts, Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Sarah is also there, and she says that she wants to be your older brother's second in command. Oh, that's nice. Uh, so this doesn't really do anything to like answer Ruru's question, though, about you know her own question for herself. She's like, I I don't know. I I all I f- it feels like I it takes all that I am just to go to school every day, which, whew, mood. Um, but. Uh, Ren and Naputsuki are walking in the same direction as her and Maku-chan. And Ren says, look, you're being too hard on yourself. You've got it tough. You're be- you're on your own. And it's amazing how you're able to still apply yourself every day. And I don't think you have to rush to come up with anything. Even me and Oze are just kind of going through the motions right now. You'll figure it out eventually. Which, geez, Ren, when did you get like wise because every child in Ruru's position needs to hear this. And it's like, you're a kid. You don't need to figure it out right now. Uh, I know that there is a lot more pressure on uh, Japanese students to have this stuff figured out uh, at a younger age. Mm. Uh, because like high school is when you're supposed to actually already be starting off your plans for like further education and everything. Uh, but uh, like I said, you don't know who you are at this age. Like, so chill. Yeah. Uh, Rur brings up the point that, you know, before, like, Ren was like, weren't you supposed to, like, run your family's restaurant when you grew up? And Ren's like, yeah, but now my older sister says she's going to do it. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he also says, hey, maybe it's okay if you just keep your dreams for the future vague. Like, just wanting to live happy and healthy. And then a flag flies through the air in the wind and hits Maku in the face. And Nabuchku laughs about it. It's hysterical. It's the best joke. 10 out of 10 joke. I love it. <laughs> and Ren's like, you know, like those guys are doing. <laughs> um, Saru so says, yeah, you're right. I'm happy. I hope that in the future, this peaceful everyday life can continue. Aw. And that's the end of the chapter. No, it's not. It's a third done. <laughs> I like how your screen shook as you did it. Well, that's because I hit the table and my camera shook. <laughs> it added power to your words. Ah! So, 
we start getting some narration as we get the last bits of uh, this little sequence. Where Naputuku, uh, uh, because you know, Rue's got to buy Nato. I wonder why. And Naputuku is like, ah, milk's on sale today. <laughs> But he doesn't have any money left over from his paycheck. He doesn't get paid until tomorrow. Oh, no. Uh, And we get narration during this that says, in a quiet rural town somewhere, a superior being and a lowly human met. That their peaceful everyday life continues. If that is your wish, then. And uh, I did get the feeling, I will say, before we got to the last notes of this narration... That it did feel like, is this just going to be a kind of, and they had many more fun adventures together. It really did have that kind of feel because it felt like it was kind of recapping and going back to the part we were at at the beginning of the series. It's like, oh, it's this quiet town and we're just kind of getting this narration at this early point in the chapter. But something else is at work. Um, and we do get like some last beats in this day, like Naputuku, uh, being happy that he'll get paid tomorrow and stuff. And then the trash goes out uh, tomorrow at Ruru and Maga's place. But Maga's just like, I'll just blow up the trash. But he blows a hole through the wall and he gets scolded for it. How many times has he done that to Ruru's poor house? Honestly, at this I point? had to assume they have like a deal with somebody or something like that. Yeah, that's the mafia. So. Um, but something happens because Magu has been left up in his scolding position over the night. But then, as time progresses to a certain point, he's on the floor instead. What's happening? Uh, and he seems to realize that something has happened. Meanwhile, Naputiko takes the trash out, and he's like, oh, got out in time! But uh, Ren and Rin's mom is like, why'd you take the trash outside a day early? Tomorrow's trash day. Uh, Naputiko's like, ah, Okay! By the way, it's payday. Give me my money. <laughs> oh, look how fucking happy he is. He's going wee and there's little like flowers around his head. But she says, you're so impatient. I don't have it ready yet. You get paid tomorrow. <laughs> huh? Oh, no. The pudding is not getting paid. This is slave labor. What's going on? I don't like this now. Uh... On Ruru's way home, uh, not home, but to school, she says to Magu, you're, you're really restless. Why are you so distracted? What's going on? And then she asks him, what kind of dreams do you have for the future? And then she asks everyone at school what dreams they have for the future. And they start to all say the same things that they did the day before. And Naputuku and Magu are very confused by this. One the detail that I will note here is that we don't get specifically uh, Zonzege and Gula reacting to any of this. Um, and it seems to leave the door open potentially for just the gods to realize what has happened. Uh, but maybe they also realize something. I would assume wrong. that based on them being in the same panel and not saying anything, like not adding their thoughts, they also are. But yeah, you are right. It does technically open the door up for them to be like, oh, it's only the ranked gods that are, are having this issue or whatever. There's just enough uh, room for interpretation there. Meanwhile, Uneris shows up in this chapter. Uh, we were doing so well. But uh, she has a TV remote and uh, she has come to have a meeting with Muscar. Mm. And uh, they basically like, so you noticed it too. Uh, so they have sent something. 
And the reason Muscar noticed it is because he has his Magu Golem and he says, I taught him the Song of Chaos yesterday, but he doesn't remember any of it. Ah, hard at work trying to get Magu to join your cult, huh, Mu? Fix it. <laughs> Make him sing the song I taught him, do it. And Uneris is also upset because the morning drama series that she watches is, is airing the same episodes yesterday. So, you know, they've got really big problems, these two. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they both realize, well, you're not responsible for this. The only one capable of such a stunt is you-know-who. And I thought you were in charge of them, Muscar. I, even I could sense their presence. Or Muscar says this. And Uneris says a response, well... You, uh, you had gathered all the ceiling gems. Nosukoshu, Zonzage, and Gula. You used spatial detection and ocean current manipulation to recover them. Before the Holy Knight's headquarters was completed, there was no choice but to sink them deep into the ocean as part of the ceiling. Perhaps that this anomaly is their work. The second pillar has manifested nearby and is distorting the flow of time. And we see that indeed, under the water, somewhere off the coast, under the there's sea. a ceiling gem. Yeah, that's that's probably what happened. Actually, they were oh, doing that's... the big song. Yeah, I like her. Oh, like the octopus was playing the drums. He was like bump, 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 and then hit the crystal. Like, ooh, ooh, <laughs> just keep going. No one will notice. <laughs> 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 He's playing like a fucking fishbone, like a xylophone. <laughs> Uh, I'm not talented enough at improv in order to make up a Magu-chan parody of Under the Sea. <laughs> No, well, we'll figure it out when we do the bonus pod uh, radio yes. play Magu Chan's other special Christmas. <laughs> uh, and so this gym has uh, has cracked. We don't see the uh, creature emerge yet, though. Just kind of some ominous black fluid coming out of the gym. Uh, so Unera says to Muscar that they need to call a ceasefire because something, some shit's going down. Uh. On the way home uh, from school, uh, while Ren and Ru were talking about shit, Naputiku says to Magu, Does something about today seem off to you? The boy and young lady are, having, are saying the exact same things they said yesterday. And I was supposed to receive my wages today. <laughs> Poor Naputiku, he's going to be broke forever. Yes. <laughs> uh, the same bag comes flying down the street. And Maku sidesteps it and goes, time is repeating itself. And the bag hits Nabutiku instead. I hate this now. I hate this. Zero out of ten jokes. I feel like it's awful. It's like, it's like the Dimitri Martin thing where he has like a graph and he's like, how farts are funny. And he's like, farts in church. Really funny. Farts in my face. Not funny at all. Goes off the charts. But farts in my brother's face. It's, it skyrockets. It's off the chart. It's that funny. I was like... It's exactly. I was like, bags in Magu's face, hysterical. Bags in the Putaku's face, an actual crime that needs to be stopped. <laughs> it does actually look funnier when it hits Magu in the face. I think because of the way his tentacles come out. But anyway. So yeah, Magu and Putaku have realized what's going on, and Ruru again says, "I hope that the that in the future, this peaceful everyday life can continue." Uh, and uh, Magu reminds her about the Nato. She also is like, oh, milk's on sale today. And Magu's just like, do you, do, do you not see what's going on here? Hey, hey, hey. And Rich is like, what the fuck are you doing? They get home. Magu this time decides to throw the trash out instead of blowing a hole in the wall because he has learned. 
But the same thing happens at the end of the night. Time restarts. We cut over to rent the Fujisawa household. And Naputuk is like, boss, pay today. <laughs> no, you get paid tomorrow. Ah! He's in hell. It's the worst. It's the actual worst. And we are introduced to the new and final and second of the of the pillars. Yupisusu, the eternal, the second pillar. He looks like a jellyfish, kind of. Yeah, I don't know if we know uh, a gender for the character yet or anything like that. Uh, but they look like uh, some big old floating jellyfish who can, I guess, make every day Groundhog Day. If they're a jellyfish, they probably don't have a gender at all. Yeah. They just suck. They're just mean. They sting you. Yeah. Trick people into peeing on each other. <laughs> Wait, does that not work? Uh, I think it does. But anyway, uh, he says in narration that uh, I shall grant you all an eternal day just as you wished. So there's a bit of a monkey paw at work because, you know, Rue just kind of wished that the carefree days could continue. And uh, this was interpreted mean as like, OK, same day over and over and over again. Yay! It was actually a very good chapter in terms of how it introduced and set everything up. It yeah. was quite ominous as well. It kicked in, so and hopefully we will be getting many, many more chapters. Hold on, Magu Chan. Feel like we just read a chapter saying we shouldn't wish for such things without being very careful. Every week we just keep talking about the same chapter, dreading like the idea, like, oh, I hope it doesn't end. And we come back the next week, like, oh, I don't know, Nick, looks like it's going to end. Same chapter every week. Not sure how I would feel about that if I ever realized, if I ever actually understood that was going on. Well, we're not chaos. Well, you're not a chaos god. So I don't think you'd ever pick up on it. Anyways, Dr. Stone. Right. <laughs> See? Equals 224 in space. We get a montage to start this chapter of the rise of humanity. And then Senku studied science as a kid. And he did stuff in school. And then the petrification went off. Turned everyone to stone. Then everyone came back. And then they all worked together, inventing thing after thing after thing. And now we come to this point. Humanity's going to make a comeback. You'll see. Until the day we're reading Ramen in space again, you can count on it. Byakuya's prediction has come true. They're in space. Look at how big and terrifying it is. Ah! There's no guns here. Toriko lied to me. <laughs> we haven't found them yet. The space guns might be floating in a different area. Senku wakes up. He is depetrified by the automatic timer. And uh, so he uh, puts clothes on because, you know, he's a decent boy like that. Uh -huh. And he's all alone uh, because Stanley and Kohaku are still petrified. He's like, what the fuck is going on here? Is something wrong with the watches? Uh, but he's he is contacted by Zeno. He says, I take it you're awake now. And Sekka's like, ah, this is your doing, Zeno. Uh, and he kind of smiles towards the radio device i don't know if there is a camera set up in anywhere i don't think there. i is, think though. he just like it's meant to be he's smiling towards you know or whatever uh but since fucking senku's in space he'd have to be like looking straight down or something like that so it's it's just a way to be like oh he's looking up 
as though, you know, emotionally. Mm -hmm. Uh, Zeno says that he deliberately staggered the uh, revivals uh, just in case there was a problem because liquid doesn't flow the same way in space as it does on Earth. Fair enough. Uh, And Sega's life could have mentioned that. But uh, there's just kind of a beat. And Seku kind of realizes what's going on here. He's like, well, okay, fine, fine. Um, and uh, Gen is also on to what has happened here. He's like, yeah, Zeno used to be friends with Byaki and the Astros because he worked with NASA and stuff. So he's giving Senku a moment in space to himself, a moment to weep freely. And we see, you know, Senku just goes into a little, one of the little viewing globes and just kind of stares at space for a bit. It's a very, very sweet moment. Stanley revives next. Uh, he puts his clothes on, which means that Zeno forgot to give them the most important communication. Uh, take, and uh, Take pictures of my naked boyfriend in space, please. <laughs> I mean, can't you just do that yourself? No! I need you this to do it. This is science. Get the do light- not question it. Get the lighting right. <laughs> Um, so Seku's like, you knew this was going to happen, didn't you, Stanley? This is really creeping me out, having you old dudes doting on me. <laughs> Such a weird sentence. Uh, but Stanley just like, I'm just following orders, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so they, they drop it after that. They check on uh, stuff. Xeno runs through, through, through some, uh, you know, checks and everything. Uh, and he says, okay, yeah, there's more than enough oxygen now to wake up your other travel companion, if you so desire. And there's a weird look that gets exchanged between Stanley and Senku, and then they go and they wake up Kohaku, and she immediately presses her face into the glass and is like, oh my god, it's space! Um, and she's like, look, no gravity! I'm lighter than ever! Yes. Uh, Senku gets away with calling her a lioness for once. Uh, and then... He pulls out space ramen, which were prepared for them by Francois. Hooray. Uh, for the Kaku confirms it is tasty. Uh, and uh, then Kaku has a little moment to think. And she says, you know, a few thousand years ago, your father ate like this. Thank you. The same meal, the same outer space. Could the space station that Bjaka and his friends lived in still be floating around up here? So he's like, oh, no, no, no. It burned up centuries ago. <laughs> it fell back to Earth. But uh, Sega says, hey, but forget all that. As we said, that old space station was also launched piecemeal into space so that the parts could dock once in orbit. And this time around, it's our creation that'll be combining in space. We've blasted away from our tiny world, from a stone world to a spacefaring organ or uh, civilization. And the first combined thing happens as the thing fits into their pod from space. Hooray! They're going to the moon. Yeah. It's a good chapter. I like uh, a lot of the little character moments. I even like the callback to like, hey, we're going to eat ramen in space. Whoa. Yeah. It was a nice way to bring that to, to bring that back around. Yeah. And I was really, I was truly surprised when, like, they first showed Senku getting out of his spacesuit, and it's like, oh, he's naked for a hot moment. I was like, oh, God, please don't with Kohaku. And they didn't. Instead, like, the only, like, full body shot of her we actually get is her in a kind of a weird outfit. It looks like she's wearing a tie yeah. as a belt, but, you know, looks good. She looks happy. I, I guess it, I, I think that it has, I don't know enough about space travel 
but uh senku is wearing one as well so it must be just like a thing for like i don't know harnesses or something yeah maybe it might connect to something Good but stuff. yep, they're in space, and it was nice, and Senku got to be emotional for a little bit, and look at that giant two-page spread of the stars. It's terrifying how huge an empty space is. It can be, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's move on! All right, Nick, let's talk about Mashal, Magic and Muscles, Chapter 91, Mash Burn Dead, and the Magnetic Armor. So this time we have Rose Quartz, Who's all angry, saying, you're rubbish, just got himself punched. And he says, I will never accept an idiotic clown like you. And his scar on his face erupts. And he has a third line. And he activates his Bonkai, Adamus, god of magnetism, armored murder form. And gets a cool new suit of super magnet armor. He's like, you. Sorry. Adamus in Greek mythology, was a Phrygian participant during the Trojan War, son of the Phrygian leader Aegeus, son of King Dimas and brother of Phinops. Okay. Oh, okay. I like it. Uh, and he uses his new armor to punch Mash in the face a bunch because uh, he can just shift his own pole and attract and repel his opponent at will so his attacks will never miss and Mash will never be able to hit him. It'll just be him pummeling him. We get basically a page of just that, just him be pummeled as uh, we get like long sort of angry narration from Rose Quartz saying you can't win against summons, which I guess is what they call the Bonkais. Its power is next level. The magnetic force of this armor is several times greater than most magic. You'll never break it, and therefore you'll never defeat me. So stand there while I beat you to death. And Rose Quartz is thinking to himself, I have to win. I have to. I don't care what it takes. I need to win. I need. And we get a flashback, because it's time to understand who Rose Quartz is and get some backstory to him. And uh, we see Rose Quartz uh, was part of uh, Twin Brothers. And their dad, kind of an asshole. Uh, we already know he's like the chief of the bureau of magic or something like that and so it's like you two are poised to stand on top of this world use whatever means necessary to maintain your position at the very best and rose quartz is like yes he was very controlling and we his twin sons were practically destined to our top spot by birth uh but we have to work ourselves to the bone to do everything because we were put under this immense pressure and i could never be the best because of my brother he was better than me in every single way and as a result, I face constant punishment. Every scar on my body deepened my hatred for him. I obsessed over how I could next topple him just to avoid the pain. But it turned out I didn't need to try that hard. After a time, the tables turned and my brother wound up receiving the punishments once reserved for me. And he said to me, this is because I'm weak, but you're strong. So don't become like me. All right. Do it for the both of us. And then he died. <laughs> and even though I knew the truth that he'd lost for my sake, I was too scared to stand up to my father. I'm weak. That's the real reason I have to use anything and everything to keep winning. If you're not staying at the top, you get used, abused, and trampled on. If you can't win, then it's over for you. Winning's all that drives me. No one else's, no one else's aspirations can even compare. Even bruised and bleeding, I'll use any means necessary. Anything, if it means I won't lose. And Mash punches the armor and explodes it by attacking 
at the exact same time, basically. So the two attacks collide and just starts exploding the armor. And Rose Quartz continues being like, people like you disgust me, who talk about the world, some wonderful place, but you're tough enough to make it work. Rose Quartz smiles, and Mash says thanks before he headbutts Rose Quartz and explodes the rest of his armor. This is a nice little chapter. Um, getting our bit with Rose Quartz so that, you know, we get used to the idea of him, you know, becoming a good guy and helping out Mash in the future, it seems like. Um, but honestly, given the stuff that we've been, gotten to see that Rose Quartz can do, I'd be kind of fine with that if he does, you know, come back in the future, you know, good aligned, uh, even just like once, because, you know, he's just got like a cool bunch of cool different things that he can do. And that's really about it. And on the other hand, over. If he literally is just beaten and that's just it, goodbye. It's fine. Um, I think it's going to be the latter. I, I will say this. I do like this chapter. I love the art in this chapter. I think the art is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. that, that final shot is awesome. Um, MASH does tend to fall into a pattern a lot, which is introduced to a bad new character. They give a gigantic speech about how MASH sucks and should die. And we get like their kind of one defining character thing that they they kind of latch on to then we give them a sad backstory uh and then they get beat and that's kind of been the case for just about every major antagonist mash has come up against that wasn't innocent zero or cell war at this point you know mm -hmm. lord abel abyss razor um oh god what was his name carpaccio lu yang like uh all these characters got these like sad little bits added to their story to be like oh okay maybe they're a little maybe they were more misunderstood than i thought fortunately marco was just kind of cool yeah yeah marco was just dope marco was just kind of eccentric and that was yeah. that was it <laughs> so yeah good stuff um but i will note it is one of those things where i'm like it, I guess I liked the chapter more for like the interesting little bits I could pick up on. I guess this was the implication of why Rose Quartz has two wands. It's like, oh, the other wand, I presume, was his brother's wand. And I guess twins can use their, each other's magic like that. Maybe. Might also have to do with his with the magnet aspect of it, you know, in terms of like polarity opposites. So Potentially. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this was there was some cool action in this, um, but I did get this fence since when I was reading of like, yeah, Mash just, you know, he wins. And that's I'm kind of used to just seeing that. And uh, there's not anything that's super satisfying about the way that he wins this time. How does he do it? He punches hard. OK. Let's move over to the Elusive Samurai, Chapter 45, Funny Faces, 1335. We get a flashback uh, to start this off for the perspective of Yoritsugu, who was the uh, grandson of Yorishige that we were introduced to last chapter. And the flashback starts with him getting cheek rubs from his grandfather, who's like, oh, doting on him and calling him cute and everything. And Yoritsugu narrates, until two years ago, I was destined to play a leading role in Sua. And then he showed up. And it's when Tokiyuki was brought home by Yorishige to give him shelter after, you know, all the Hojos were killed. Yoritsugu specifically avoided showing up during this. He just kind of watched the proceedings from afar. And now in the present, they're having a meeting. 
uh, Yorishige took Yuki Yoritsugu and Yoritsugu's father, Yoritsugu's son, Tokitsugu. And uh, Yoritsugu explains that like, so yeah, I'm going to be over time passing down my role as god of Suwa uh, to my son. And we're also starting to give more uh, duties to my grandson. Um, and uh, then Yoritsugu starts giving cheek rubs, cheek rubs to uh, Tokiyuki. Uh, and he looks like a Tasmanian devil, basically, while he does it, because he's moving, he's, he's, he's doing the cheek rub so rapidly. Uh, Yoritsugu is just really pissed off because he's like, the cheek rub is more intense than the ones that I would get. And then he, Tokiyuki tries to leave, and Yoritsugu starts tickling him. And Yoritsugu goes, those tickles are more precise than the ones I got, which is troubling. Why do you, um, why do you know this? <laughs> yeah. So Yoritsuga's like, I have to free grandfather of his influence. So he kind of hops forward and deliberately bounces off of uh, Tokiyuki's lap. And it's like, hey, I want us to be good friends. So you should be nice to me. And he like grabs his hand and clasps between his own. And Tokiyuki's like, what the fuck is this kid trying to do? He was he was kicking me earlier. What the hell? And then Yoritsugu whips himself backwards to make it look like Tokiyuki backhanded him. And immediately Yoshiko's like, why'd you do that, Tokiyuki? Like, no, 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 he fell on his own. And you're just... <laughs> Everyone saw, you're... everyone saw, you did it. Yoritsu goes, oh, and he was being mean to me earlier. Tokiyuki-sama hates me. When we met, he grabbed me and he said, I'm a hojo. No one in Sue is more important. Tomorrow we duel and the loser will be exiled. And that's what he said. And I accepted it through my tears. And Yoshiko's just like, oh, are you secretly a complete brute? <laughs> You should apologize to him. I, I didn't I didn't say that. I didn't say that. And he also said, Someday I will kill Yorishige for shining too bright and hurting my eyes. Okay, that last bit might be a little bit accurate, but <laughs> <laughs> I think we all kind of want to kill Yorishige someday. And he's like imagined as this fully adult, like demon faced dude licking a sword, and Yorishige's like, how awful. Apologize. To me, <laughs> the emphasis. And Tokiyuki's like, I would never say that. Who the hell even is that in the last panel? Hey, fourth wall jokes. Uh, and Yoritsuga goes on, like, you know, crying and smiling and saying, like, Yeah, 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 I'll accept though. I'll even accept exile if it comes to that. See you at the duel tomorrow. And while he leans in, he literally knees Tokiyuki in the calf. <laughs> and then he leans in. And this is where the, oh, right, this is written by uh, the Nogami Nero guy. He leans in so close that his nose is squished up and his lips are dragging along Tokiyuki's ear while he talks. And he's like, don't even think about running. It's such a so random weird. thing. So he leaves. Tokiyuki's left to just have to go like, oh, it's so fucking weird. And Tokiyuki and his son, not Tokiyuki, Yorishika and his son go, you shouldn't bully younger children, Tokiyuki-sama. You know, Yorishika can be naive at times. You have to be lenient with him. And Tokiyuki's just like, all right, you two, sit down. You all know he was fucking with me, right? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you, you, you know, he crushed my thigh. Like, yeah, we, we pretend not to see. <laughs> I was very glad to have avoided 
what is one of the most overblown cliches in media because i mean they'll do this plot and fucking the brady bunch or whatever like mm-hmm. it's everything will use this of just like no the kid was lying and finally it's like one thing where like the kid leaves and the parents are like yeah, yeah we saw that oops <laughs> didn't want to say anything we just, but... we just we just didn't want to you know call him out because yeah. just a kid you know what I'm and we do get a much better explanation for their tolerance of this was just like it just has to do with, you know, the, the position that he is in as a kid. And Tokigi says, like, look, I do understand where he's coming from, why he resents me. I feel bad about that. But if you guys allow him to act this way, he's going to be a malicious god when he grows up. Which is a really good point. Yeah, you're preparing him for the position now. And if he's getting used to getting you allowed to act a certain way, that's not going to be good when he actually shoulders all the responsibility. So... They're apologetic, but they say, we feel guilty. He's still young, and due to our circumstances, he must assume a heavy burden. Uh, and so Tokyo understands, like, okay, I get it. This kid has all this pressure on him. He has to be a god. He has, you know, he's just a kid who has that tremendous responsibility in his future. But Yorishige says, but you're right, though. He can't grow up like this. He might be feeling too attached to his role. Uh, and because, you know, he closes himself off from others and his display of hatred towards you shows his true feelings, which means this is an opportunity. Make sure this duel goes well and become a friend he can share his true feelings with. And Tokyo's like, why do I have to handle this? I'm nine. <laughs> why don't you guys hand? You're his fucking parents. <laughs> Um, so he's like, all right, well, maybe I can do this. I'm sure our duel is just going to be a childish game. The entire fucking village has shown up to root on Yoritsugu. And so he's like, yeah, that's right, fucker, Tokuyuki. I'm a god. These people will listen to me. And guess what? We're going to play a game of tag, and you're it. And I'm going to run to that distant holy pillar over there. And if you don't catch me first before I can reach it, then I win. And then you pack your things and you leave. And Tokuyuki says... I just want us to get along. And, you know, before playing tag, I'm way faster than you. Yoritsuki's like, go! And he runs <laughs> off. Tokyuki tries to chase after him, but suddenly, Whoa! he has to duck. He has to do a sliding duck. And one of the uh, shrine hands is just trying to attack him with a fucking branch. And he's like, I'm sorry. Yoritsuki sama said I will suffer the wrath of the gods if I didn't stop you. And Yoritsugu's like, yes, they'll all do what I say. No human can contend with a god, Tokiyuki. <laughs> Love this kid's faces. Yeah, it's very exaggerated. And I like how all of like the shrine people just look so fucking done with it already. Like, I don't know. The kid said we had to beat you up with these. Please don't be angry. <laughs> Pretty sure one of the shrine maidens who's trying to stop Tokiyuki is the one he stood up for when, you know, Senamune shot her ear. It so. might be, yeah. <laughs> But Tokyuki, hey, you're having people try and stop him and chase after him. You done fucked up, kid, because he's getting happy and excited now. So yeah. I think it's a cool final page spread of him being like, ah, oh, I perhaps I should teach this god a lesson. I should say spread. It's half a page, but yeah. um, it's a very cool image. And weirdly, I am enjoying this. Like, I hate this fucking little kid, but that's the point. And the yeah. manga's not trying to make him look cool. He looks like the biggest fucking dork on every goddamn page, and it's avoided going with like the tropes of like oh well we're just gonna believe him because he's such a cute kid like the parents just like yeah i'm sorry about this <laughs> did not say but yeah he's an asshole <laughs> we don't know what to do we have too much pressure on our hands we don't know how to discipline 
Yeah. Uh, I think that the chapter started off a little bit, you know, because it does seem like it's going that direction. And then it subverts your expectations and suddenly it ramps up and gets a lot better by the end of it. And then it's just like, yeah, we can just enjoy this kid being a little asshole and watching Tokyuki get set to take him down a peg and hopefully uh, make him a bit better person. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. So. Absolutely. All right, Nick, let's jump over, jump over rather to Black Clover page 318 the presence of the devil king so lucifero showed up used his gravity magic to make everyone bow and uh dasta and uh Sabretooth don't want to let that happen so they're like all right we gotta stop this guy and Sabretooth's like do you remember me you're the one who killed lachita and uh lucifero says but for me it was tuesday yeah, basically just like <laughs> i don't remember Anyway, Crush just uses gravity magic and slams him into the ground. Like, holy shit, his magic is astronomical. Everybody's going to need to. And Sabretooth's like, I want to take this guy down, no matter what it takes. So, boom, activate Devil Union. And uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair is like, don't be stupid, Asta. Uh, Asta swings this big attack, uses magic tracking. And the the new devil who showed up is like, wow, there's somebody uh, who can move inside of Lucifero's power. And he has no magic to begin with. It's a really, that's an odd one. And Asta's just like, it doesn't matter how incredible this guy's magic is. We'll take him down in four minutes of the devil union we've got left. Swings his sword. Lucifero grabs it. And Asta's like, what the fuck? Why won't it move? And we see Lucifero like reach the point where he's only touching the sword with his finger. And he's like, ooh, how dare you? You dare make me bleed my own blood. Exactly. And just punches Asta in the face, which is so sad. I don't know if anyone has ever just punched Asta in his big, stupid face before. Um, Other devils, just like Lucifero's magic, is beyond amazing, and so is physical abilities, even if he's not complete. An ant can't beat an elephant, no matter how strong or weird it is. Uh, We see Vanessa, I think is her name. Uh, Mm. On the ground, she's saying, Rogue's powers have saved us barely, but we're out of magic now, and the captain's getting weaker and weaker. We managed to rescue him, but if this goes on, and boom, Asta's been sent straight into the ground. Like, damn, all he's really done is kind of like, uh, all he did was get closer, and it feels like we're being crushed. Lucifero has moved a little bit closer, and it's like, if he pays even the littlest bit of attention to us, we're finished. Just by existing, he forces all creation to its knees, people, spells, and even fate. So this is the power of the King of Devils. And Asta's like, shit, man, all he did was punch me, and my eyes can't even focus anymore. Uh, And then someone says, our little boy is working real hard over there. So let us play too. And all of the captains have shown up and can also all stand in this, this situation. So... They're all here. The gang's all here, Nick. Yeah, look, the great hero Jack the Ripper will save everyone. Yeah. So uh, it is interesting because like half this group have already gotten their shit pushed in on this arc, mm-hmm. uh, but I guess they're here to also fight now. So look, look at real his stupid, dopey fucking face, acting like there's no problem at all in the world back there. Here's my thing: Rill's in the background of the shot, so I 
am very grateful. He's smaller. That, there was one, yeah, he's, he's smaller is a big point. <laughs> there was a point in time where I really thought Muriel was going to be pushed as like the coolest member of the group, and it seems like even Tabata's like, eh, I'll use him every Maybe so not. often. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Dorothy Unsworth has a better a better spot in the, the splash page than he is. Yeah. Salamander has a better spot in the splash page than fucking Real does, thankfully. Yeah, it's a cool fucking looking dragon. Look at that dragon up there. It's pretty dope. All right, it's yeah. actually a pretty cool two-page spread, honestly. It like is. everyone watch, you know, you get like a feel for everyone's different personalities. Although Dorothy seems kind of like oddly represented here, but whatever. So well, she's the only one who really hasn't done anything this arc. Like they cut back to her fighting, I forget even who it was. She fought somebody and like didn't do anything really so it's a chance to showcase her i presume mm. i i will say the arc I, or the chapter i think is pretty cool i do like how they are building up lucifero he does seem like this terrifying thing and again i really love just seeing him punch asta in the face like it's pretty cool to see that like how strong this person is i'm yeah, not i love the way he knocks asta looping backwards in the uh follow-up shot yeah so i don't love necessarily all of the captain showing up to be like we'll fight too because it's supposed to be like oh he brings all of creation down to his knees except for like captains i mean come on yeah come on come on um but you know it's fine that's black clover in a nutshell yeah and uh thing i will continue to say about all this is i do like that new devil who's just watching stuff because now i've entered that you know that that homer kind of period was like look that guy hasn't done anything yet <laughs> you know it's gonna be really cool when it happens everyone's gonna think it's so cool so yeah we'll see how that goes all right We'll close things out by setting sail for One Piece. Chapter 1036. Yeah, yo. yo. Dreaming Bushido is the way of death. (laughs) Now, Nick, do you think you're... Dreaming, don't give it up, Luffy. Dreaming, Bushido is the way of death. (laughs) Dreaming. Do you think you'll remember where One Piece was at the start of next year? No. Okay. No, I'm going to say that no every single year from now on. Just say no, no confidence at all. <laughs> um, so King has been defeated by Zoro. Uh, fucking chopped his goddamn wing off and broke his sword. Shit. Uh, but we don't get the King's been defeated thing yet because Zoro's got to be like, no, 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 no. I got to make sure that he goes off the screen and I get the game thing from Smash Brothers before I before I stop and assume I won. King has a flashback as he falls after having absorbed Zoro's latest attack uh, to when apparently what early on in their uh, time together, King was under the impression that Kaido was Joy Boy, mm. Mm. Uh, which Kaido thought would apparently to be very fu- funny because like, oh, is the world I'm creating really the one you wished for. <laughs> uh, but King says legends are legends. That is all. No. I seek nothing from you anymore. My life belongs to you. Just continue to be the strongest there is. And I won't lose any fight either. I'll make you the king of the pirates. <gasps> it's just like the promise that Zoro made that he wouldn't lose anymore after he lost to Mihawk. It's a little bit of it's a little bit weird that we get introduced to this, you know, aspect of King's personality just now, but whatever. So But yeah, I guess they both made promises like that to their captains, and Zoro won. And Zoro repeats his proclamation from the end of last chapter. I guess I might as well become the king of hell. 
Um, and he just launches another attack at King. He's like, nope, just making sure. <laughs> Done. Yeah. I do kind of like, like, boom, knocks him out by just like shooting him into the fuck, like off of the fucking building. Uh, so Zoro has won, and this is observed by the Spy Network guys. Uh, one of them reports King's been defeated. And uh, the member of the CP0 who's just kind of hanging around is like, wow. So all the lead performers Crazy. that Toby are all dead. <laughs> He's like, this is a great state of affairs. Only the best of the best would still be standing at this point. And Fukurokoji. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and he points out, there are still two monsters in this battle who can render all of this valiant effort futile. And we'll check on the two of them fighting in just a little bit, right? So, but first we see uh, Big Mom still attacking Law and Kid. And uh, I do like that she's just like brought the metal that Kid summoned to life to attack them. So that's nice. Uh, and we get an establishment again of like, this is what's going on in the grander scope of things. Monosuke is going to try and stop Oni, uh, Onigashima from falling onto the flower capital. Yamato is trying to stop the burning hatred giant fire spear thing from blowing up the armory. Uh, and Yamato has made his way to the door to the basement armory, which is being guarded by numbers. Rocky. What can Rocky do? Uh, get gored. Oh, uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's the thing. I was like, because I've heard some people say this when they refer to this chapter. I don't know who the what the thing like the person fucking with Yamato is. I was like, was this a person I was supposed to remember? The fucking centaur bull person. Um, Yamato basically just got him to come along with him by saying, "Hey, Fuga, I need your help. Come with me." Like a couple chapters ago. That's really it. Apparently, I guess Fuga just Fuga says is like a Pokemon. Just says Fuga over and over again. Evidently, okay. But it's yeah, one of the numbers. I don't know. Sure. He stampedes into Rocky and bashes through the door into the armory. And Yamato just says, "Thanks, Fuga. Keep down Rocky for me." And uh, that happens. We then cut over to where Usopp is. Usopp desperately trying to defend Kinemon and Kiku. Uh, as a bunch of goobers come and try and, you know, pick the corpses because they're still both bleeding out. Uh, and Usopp uh, is, you know, using all of his different tricks to try and keep them at bay while they all approach. And Usopp is crying, like, no, no, stop, stop, go away. Uh, Kinemon and Kiku both try to be all noble and stuff, saying, oh, no, leave me, take, take Kiku. And Kiku me like, no, I'm done for. Uh, Newsup's like, oh, cool. I'll leave you both and save my own skin. No, no way. No, no, no. Why did I even bother coming to help you if if, if I want to just do that? No, no, no. Uh, and then he just starts berating them and says, like, will you guys stop trying to be all, like, honorable and death and stuff? What use is your pride taking responsibility through Harakiri? I am not a fan of this culture of yours. <laughs> but he says... I cling to life with snot running from my nose if I have to. I don't care if it looks pathetic. I survive. It's what I do, and it's the entire reason I'm standing here alive today. Why are you idiots so satisfied with pulling off your just pulling off your raid? But he's at his limits. There's too many of these assholes. But the day is saved. Izo is here. Hooray! Izo's here to save his buddies let's just call that I, yeah I, I didn't know the name first so 
Um, and then Kiku tries to get all melodramatic, be like, oh, brother, I fear. And Iso's like, okay, come on, we'll have plenty of time to talk later. Focus on your survival. If you truly believe in Straw Hat Luffy, that is. And he asks for Usopp to take them off to safety. Uh, Hamlet helps out, too. Thanks, Hamlet. Hamlet's uh, doing, <laughs> doing, doing yeoman's work. Meanwhile, Raizo and Fukurokuju have simultaneously cast paralysis jutsu on each other and are just staring at each other, not moving. It's infuriating because it is a kind of funny concept, and Raizo actually has a cool line. Because they're both in this room oh, yeah. that's on fire, and they're both like not releasing their jutsu, and yeah, Raizo has caught fire first, so it's like, oh, you're gonna lose this. And Raizo says, "I'm a vassal, Lord Orden. You call this heat? I don't even feel it." It is a cool line. This is undoubtedly one of the dumbest and most infuriating parts of this chapter, though, because I'm just like, this. There's, we are being told there was probably a pretty sweet, awesome fight going on here between these two characters, and it happened off screen. And now we have the fucking Metapod versus Metapod fight going on. I was literally just going to reference Metapod v. Metapod. <laughs> Harder, you're the better Metapod. <laughs> oh, boy. We cut to uh, where Orochi has completely fallen for the charms of Kumurasaki. Although he is saying to himself, like, where the fuck is Fukurokuju? He was supposed to get back to me so we could get the hell out of here before the island blows up. So he asks of Komurasaki to play that song for me, the one I love. And Yori just says, of course. Uh, also, um, <laughs> okay, this is funnier to me than, than the Fukurokuju versus Raizo thing. <laughs> so people are running away. Because CP0 is too strong. Um, and Apu is running away too. And he has a bed in X-Drake who got his ass beat off panel. <laughs> um, although, uh, I guess uh, they say, oh, uh, he that took longer than they expected. He was tough. Sure, sure, sure. Mm. X-Drake was very, very powerful. So so strong he had a bankai and everything it's just and he yeah um they uh then observe the fact that apu caught uh got away and they then they reiterate okay we're here to capture nika robin we got interrupted and we've got to hurry and do this because we gotta get out of this castle because the lead performers are down and if the new generation should actually win this battle, it would be massive news. The impact will feed the flames of the incidents occurring all over the world as we speak. What happens over the next several minutes will set the course for the times to come. But don't you think they've already hit the limit of what human beings can achieve? And on the roof of the, of the dome, Luffy is fighting with Kaido. And I do like this bit that he keeps on trying to use his gum gum attacks and he just has to eat mace attacks while he's trying to use them for a little bit before he can actually finally land a blow. And he manages to land a nice big rock gun to the cheek and knock Kaido briefly on his ass. Uh, and then afterwards, because Luffy also falls to the ground, the two of them both get up. They're both laughing. And Luffy says, I'm having fun now. And Kaido's got a big grin on his face, and he says, so am I. 
that's the end of the chapter. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a pretty cool end of the chapter, and there are bits of this chapter I do like a lot. Uh, I am a little bit annoyed that we got all of the cool details about King, as you mentioned, after he's kind of been defeated, and the weight of having this Zoro kind of the lieutenant to the potential pirate king kind of i promise to never lose for you like mirror match emotion wasn't there because we didn't know these details about king until the chapter he was defeated and then the chapter after he was defeated essentially uh so that was a little bit weird um but i really liked usopp's speech um i did as i said i enjoyed that line from rizo even if it was a little bit annoying um i like the cp0 doing something and just beating up x drake is kind of funny uh and the end was really cool so like there's parts of this chapter i really really like but there are frustrating parts where you're like there are too many things currently mm. going on because we we touched on all of them and you're just like fuck i forgot how many goddamn like when fucking Izo shows up, you're like, I forgot fucking Izo's even here. God damn it. There are way too many goddamn members of the scabbards. Like, yeah, technically, a... Izo's not a scabbard, but kind of it. You know, I don't want to get into it. Right. So uh, I'm fairly sure. I'm like 80% sure that Wano is going to end this year. <laughs> oh, man. But if it doesn't, I'll be furious. <laughs> but I, I, that being said, it does seem like we're still a few months away just because we were reminded like hey there's another little plot thread here's another little plot thread here's another little plot thread and then of course once all that's over then we're going to have to do all the wrap up and everything so we're still going to be here for a little while um but uh hopefully we get you know some more like big satisfying stuff that happens to help us carry through it and make this big important plot arc feel like you know it, it comes to a satisfying conclusion uh, yeah so absolutely uh all right let's wrap this up yes favorite chapter mvp of the week let's go uh my favorite chapter is gonna be because it was pretty cool character out of e-mouth it's pretty sweet uh put that in the the, the little infographic ninja put it do in. it now it's gonna be undead unlock it was it's it, undead unlock was like one of those chapters, like, after you read it, you were almost just, like... Like, it fa It feels hokey, but, like, this is art. But it's one of those things where you're like, this was fucking, like, amazing and mm -hmm. deeply emotional and just worked on so many levels and is, like, a culmination. It feels unfair, because I feel like if you just track Undead Unluck for, like, the past three months, it's either oh, one yeah. character of the week or MVP and or MVP, like, three months running or something like that. But it's, it's fucking great. Look, if it's the best series going consistently for a while, then it's the best series going yeah, consistently yeah. for a while. That's just it. It's my favorite series of this week, too. This was an amazing chapter. Mm -hmm. uh, we've already been over it in great detail multiple times about how good it is in so many different aspects. Uh, it's head and shoulders above everything else this week because of just how good it was. It's not like there were a bunch of bad chapters this week. No. I do want to say that. Uh, but there was a bunch of stuff that was, you know, pretty good. Um, but this was the one that was... If I do remember one thing from from this at the start of next year, I do hope it's this chapter because oh, yeah. it's really good. Uh, my uh, my MVP is going to be Bond from Spy Family. I really, really thought Bond was like just a cute little cute look at him. He's a cute little cute little dude. Just wants to do trying, good. trying so hard to be helpful. Yeah, and be a good boy. 
Mine is uh mine's gonna be, I believe, Yoritsugi. Because um he has some amazing faces in this chapter. Alright, alright, I like that. Uh it's yeah, once you hit that point of like this kid's supposed to be an annoying little shit, then I and you get into him just being really over the top. <laughs> I'm a god and he's really just a shitty little kid. Uh, then yeah, I thought he was very memorable and funny in this. So absolutely, I should note the audience uh, agreed with us on Undead Unlock, and then agreed with me as Bond for the MVP. So can't fight the dog, I guess. Can't fight so. that dog. Look at that good ass dog. Yeah, good ass dog just doesn't have the same ring to it. Good ass cat. Let's see them good ass cats, everybody. I've been thinking. I was like, if we ever do a T-shirt. I just want it to be the good ass cat t-shirt so I can have one. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that's going to do it. Yeah, that is going to do it. Thank you everyone for joining us for weekly manga recap. Uh, we record the show here on twitch.tv slash Rolo T Wednesday evenings starting around 730 Eastern time. But to stay up to date on exactly when we go live, you can follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at WMR Podcast and your hosts are at Rolo T and at Nick F Time. You can also join our Discord server where not only will we notify you when the stream goes live, but we also have all sorts of other things like a, a channel for discussing the series that we recap, one for the recommendation that we're currently looking into. Uh and then we have, you know, like our community does bi-weekly games and there's all sorts of other fun stuff on there. Oh yeah, there's tons of stuff. There's tons of tons of stuff in there. Uh, you can go in the VTuber chat if I don't, you feel like it. I don't know what happens in there. I truly I truly have to trust everybody that they're not like pirating movies in there or something like that because <laughs> I, I refuse to go in and check. <laughs> uh, very strictly modded uh, uh, Discord. Everything community. else is that channel. I I let them do their own devices. They could be using. It could be a giant Monday laundering scheme. I would not know. I've <laughs> muted it. I don't know. <laughs> they tried to trick me. They said it so it would still notify me, and I eventually had to go in and change that. So now I don't even know if you at me in that channel anymore. <laughs> it's just like you could just have it. I'm glad you enjoy these things. I don't get it. I want to stay away. Uh, you can also use the Discord to find the Google spreadsheet that is maintained by Ninja X3i. We just had uh, all of the uh, s- s- superlative. I was yes. looking for the word and had it to stumble over like four different S words before I got to the right one in my mental dictionary. Uh, and uh, you can go in th- there and take part in all that stuff. You can look up all the series that we've covered previously. Add your vote to something that we might cover in the future. Look up, uh, you know, who has been the MVP and favorite series going back to when we first started doing that several years ago. All sorts of great stuff. And we would not be able to keep track of it if Ninja X3i didn't do it for us. So uh, thank you for that. And thank you to everyone else who makes the podcast what it is. People who support us on patreon.com slash weekly manga recap, where you can uh, you can listen to Chris talk about monthly other recap, all the series that are in jump, but that we don't currently cover on the podcast, but that they might make me read soon again. One of them. Who knows? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. 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 Uh, and in addition to that, uh, we, well, there's other stuff that we do uh, regularly on there. 
uh, to all of us who, all you guys who support us and help us create bonus content for you guys to enjoy. I just want to extend special thanks to Steve Manor, Tyra Kadaris. You can check out some of the work that he has done for us on our YouTube channel where the video versions of our stuff goes. YouTube.com slash Weekly Manga Recap. The audio version can be found at weeklymangarecap.poppy.com as well as anywhere the podcast can generally be listened to, like Sp- Spotify and iTunes and all those other services and stuff. And of course, Milo Jack Stillitz and Wesley Elchitter created the opening sequence for those video versions that you can see on our YouTube. Indeed. Well, I guess, Nick, that is going to wrap it up then, right? Yes! Isn't it? I guess. Wait. Or is it, Nick? No, you're not. Hold on. Hold on. Next week, Nick! January 12th! Hold on. The veto is cast in! Ed. Okay.